Hi, this is Mike Schmidt from the 40-Year-Old Boy Podcast, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast with my good friend, Pat Francis. Make me a deal and make it good for me. I won't get full of myself, I can't afford to be here. This is small town music, this is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it, if only he could prove it. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast about music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. Hey, I'm Mike Schmidt. And uh, tonight, Mike, you're here. I am here. I'm excited to be here. It's, uh, it's thrilling to be at the Rock Solid headquarters. Everyone loves when Mike Schmidt's here. Uh, that seems aggressive and strong. No, I'm not kidding. I'm not <laughs> right. kidding. You're very nice to say so. We're, we're going to do something fun tonight. You love Quentin Tarantino. Before we get into that. Hold on. I got a lot of stuff to say before we... What, you got something to say? Well, just real quick. This is... I, I need this. This is an umbrella for the whole episode. Okay. All right. Because you mentioned Quentin Tarantino and I worry yeah. for him. As we do this show. Did he'll hear because, this? Uh, well, no, I don't care if he hears it. I would love for him to hear it. However, when you and I get together, uh, it apparently is quite dangerous. Do we, do we plan on killing anybody with our podcast this week or giving them cancer or a heart attack? Is that something that might happen? <laughs> I was going to talk about this too. The You're, previous time we've worked together, we <laughs> had a project we were, that we were involved in. I like how you call it work. <laughs> True. Uh, and our good friend. Eddie Money. Eddie Mahoney. Uh, he, uh, he, has, um, he has stage four... Uh, how do you say it? Esophageal. Esophageal cancer. Yeah. So what Mike's referring to is the uh, phony money episodes that we do. We do a running commentary. We did the first four episodes. We released one as a regular episode, and then all the others went to the ASE, ASAP club. And then you could also, uh, if you wanted to uh, purchase those episodes on the side, you could. Um, and so Mike and I were talking about, do we keep doing those? And, uh, well, we did try one after we got the news, and uh, it, uh, just not as funny as the previous ones. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. It really, we were kind of left in a lurch. <laughs> I guess I probably shouldn't be bringing this. No, I apologize. I apologize to the Mahoney family and the, the, the daughter who can't sing. So, I apologize to everybody. So here's the deal. From what I understand, they're filming the, they, they stopped down production when they found out about this. That's why there's only been, that's why the, the other six or seven haven't dropped yet, because they weren't filmed. I see. Because he's, I guess he's known about this. So they started to film again. With oh no, yes, because he wants to. Um, I guess he wants to face it head on. He wants to talk about it. So with cameras, I what with Why? cameras? Well, yeah, I, good know, for him. I, good for them. I'm not going to judge anybody in there. In the so here's the deal. All right. The uh, I think we're going to try and 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 redo the last couple we did. Because first of all, we're not making fun of Eddie Money. We're making fun of the poor production values and the stupid storylines. And, uh, you know, Joe can't get a quesadilla when he wants one. Yeah, we're so, making fun of the package. Yes, we're making fun of the package. We've never made fun of Eddie Money. I love Eddie Money. I love Eddie Money's music. I'm, I'm sorry that he has cancer, and I'm sorry that... Um, I'm sorry for his family and, and all, all that all that stuff. Well, yeah, how, we don't want you, any bad things you, to no, befall no, anyone. No, but we, but we uh, I think we're going to I think we might try to do the ones that are in the can still. I think there's two. And then and then we'll we'll watch and see what happens when they drop the ones where he's discussing his illness and then we'll see if it's if it's uh if it's something we want to, you know, 
go after then. Which is fine. I, I'm just like, fine. I'm locked and loaded and ready to go whenever yeah. you would need me. I didn't know that yeah. was something that was going to continue. And again, but uh, well, we but it is of, weird putting well, us together at, and with microphones because, yeah. again, the last time. Or Tarantino's probably done. That, I hope not. That's what I'm hoping against. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. But uh, no, everyone loves those episodes. Everyone, I've had emails saying, where are the rest of those Eddie Money episodes? And I'm like, <laughs> sir, he's got, he has cancer. It's sir. a funny story, sir. <laughs> it's a funny story, sir. Uh, us talking about that show uh, caused him to fall ill. Yeah, it was as if he, uh, our, our, the heat from our takes was beating down on his Adam's apple like the tanning bed, and it unfortunately it caused terrible things to occur. It's disappointing when I read that because I really like doing those episodes. It's so much fun. It was totally fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And the show's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I don't know how the producers are, are going to tackle this illness in the same way they tackle everything else. Like, they're not going to be able to have him talk about having, you know, stage four cancer. And then uh, Des loses his guitar. I mean, they're just not going to be able to, you know what I mean? They're well, not going to be able to cut back and forth to that. But again, that this is going to cut, you know, they could, I'm, I guarantee you there's one producer who's like, here's where we reinvent the genre. And he thinks it's going to be a reality show. And they're going to take like, you know, my 600 pound life with all those uh, gigantic people. Yeah. And they're going to try to convert that into real money or funny money or whatever the fuck it was called. And, uh, and, and his it's kids. Like, it's called real money. Okay, real money. Well, the thing is, you know, all of those people are actors, essentially. They're, they're acting as themselves. Yes. And now, are they good enough actors to actually pull back the curtain and show you their grief and the worry they have that the patriarch of their family well, may pass away. I assume away. that won't be acting. They'll, they'll, they'll have to show their Right, but are they emotions. comfortable enough to do that? Because that's the thing. Is they can always hide behind these personas. I'm the heavy drinking singer. I'm the guitarist. I'm the artist. I'm the personal trainer, whatever the well, fuck. Let's be but honest. Now, the company probably said, okay, well, we're going to, we're good. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and he yeah, probably sure said, thing. and he probably said, no, I want to keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have to share this with you. My friend Ahmad was in town from Kuwait and I picked him up at his hotel and uh, I told him the anecdote that unfortunately Eddie had, uh, he's like, I said, we did these phony money episodes. <laughs> and I said, and now it turns out that Eddie money, he had a heart attack. So we had to put him on, on hold. And in the midst of having the heart attack, he's discovered yeah. that he has stage four esophageal cancer and there's a beat and Ahmad goes, Oh man, it's a good thing. He's got those tickets. <laughs> I, dude, I, I blurt laughed in my car because yeah. I mean, again, yeah. you don't see that coming from a civilian. No, I just fucking over the fence. It's a good thing he's got. Just look down at the floor too. Now, it's a good I, thing he's got those tickets. Now, here's the thing though about Eddie Money: the guy smoked his entire life. Yeah, like every single album cover, he's got a smoke, which looks cool. I mean, it, <laughs> it grosses me out. But okay. but I, I mean, but was he? Did he smoke so much that he there was never a time to put it down, even to take? For the photo session? I mean, did he smoke? He must have smoked all the time. But what's funny about that is, can you name me one single second of the show that we watched, any of them, the first season you watched, mm -hmm. the second season we were watching, where he had a cigarette? No, because he quit, he's quit smoking. Right. Like, but which shows you that it's lurking, it's going to come get you no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. It's rough. Um, and plus, he's working in smoky clubs. He's not, I mean, the guy's, look, he's not taking care of himself. He's a rock star. No, he couldn't get his uh, feet in the pedals of that bike. Yeah, right, exactly. He tried. He tried. He was going to go ahead and make that work. Nope, then couldn't he, happen. Then he gave up. Wink. Ding. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
what was I going to say? You, you like Eric Carmen, right? Sure, of course. I find out he's in town. Ra- raspberries, Eric Carmen. Yes. Of course, yeah. Hungry no. Eyes, Eric Carmen. Yes, no. All right, just making sure. No, my mailman, Eric Carmen. I Carman. don't know. Are you thinking Eric Cartman? It could be. Eric Cartman, yeah, that's uh, uh, with Scott DeNorman's tears, uh, Eric Cartman, right? That one? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Those tears are delicious. So I find out Eric Carmen was in town this weekend, and I was like, are you kidding me? Because he lives in Ohio. Playing a show? No, he he was in town going to see the Ringo show because I think at one at some point he might have been in uh, one of the touring incarnations of the Ringo show. Okay, at one point, so he's probably just coming in to see his old friend perform and you know have a weekend in L.A. with his wife. So, um, so I, as soon as I found this out, I start because he follows me on Twitter and uh, I start tweeting, you know. Hey, why are you in town? You know, one of one of those things where you're like, should I do that? Does it seem weird? Does it well, wait, seem... did you DM him? Because if he's following you, you can send him a private message. Or are you doing this in public oh, no, for no, no, all no. to see? I, I I tweeted at him first. I tweeted to public. And I was like, oh, my God, Eric Carmen's in town. So cool. We would love to have you on the show. And then I DM'd him. And he didn't he didn't answer. He didn't even, he didn't even read it. But then, uh, then I did a couple more, you know, good tweets. We love our Eric Carmen. All that kind of stuff. And then his wife followed Rock Solid on Twitter, and then his wife followed Pat Francis on Twitter, and then she DM'd me, and she said uh, she said that the next time they they were leaving today, but the next time they're in town, she would give me a big heads up so I could prepare, and she would have him do the show. She t- it said that she she uh, told him that he needs to do the show. That's amazing because um, he posted a picture of him and uh, Steve Lukather. So I was like. Luke Lukather's been on the show. He loves this show. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, um, Stuart Copeland's done this fucking show. And he was tweeting about Sean Cassidy because Sean Cassidy recorded That's Rock and Roll and Hey Deanie. And I was like, Sean's been on the show too, you know, so. Twice. Yeah, th- these are guys that will, uh, you know, will vouch for, you know, my credibility. So right. so that was kind of cool. And then uh, then I discovered on his website today, you're an Eric Carmen fan. Of course. I asked you that already. Yes. And you said of the Raspberry. Not mailman Eric Carmen, no. but the singer Eric Carmen. I went to his website. Go to his website. Google Eric Carmen. Go to his website. He has uh, he's dropped and this he dropped this in 2018. He dropped a, a, a downloadable single for free on his website. Really? And there's a, there's an A side and a B side. You want to hear a little bit of this? Of course I do. This is called uh, Top Down Summer. He sounds great, though, doesn't he? It, it's funny because guys like this, they get older, you know, and they and they might age out. They might stop recording, but they they just they have inherent hooks in them. They yes. know they know how to do it. Yes. You know what I mean? It's and weird. this is one of those guys. Yeah, because I wouldn't think you know. Again, you tell me Eric Carmen's got new stuff, I'd be like, no, nah, with some standards album or some bullshit. <laughs> Seriously, that's what they all do. It's the last like refuge exactly, of a musical scoundrel. That's like exactly what he's that's always exa- done. Exactly. So good for him. I'm right, glad. Let's hear the B side. Uh, I could uh, I could really love you.
Nice. I love it. That's a, that's Eric Carmen. You know what? It is Eric Carmen, and also that's uh, that song's slick. That's a slick song. It's yeah. got that glazed donuts, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. shininess all over it. But he didn't do it to his voice too much, and that's awesome because yeah. a lot of guys will do that where they really tart their voice yes. up. And, uh, and he just sounds like Eric Carmen in a really yeah. slick mix there. Yeah. So good for you, Eric Carmen. I hope uh, may, maybe 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 by the time he comes out here to do this, he'll have a have a whole a whole new disc, right, buddy? A whole album drop. Whole platter. He'll be out here on a tour, friend. You'll get a backstage oh, pass. I, hey, look, if that's how he sounds, I would yeah. go see him perform in a second. You'll go there. You'll see him. You'll see the strawberry alarm clock will no doubt be there, I would imagine. Uh, you'll see. Are you you putting together a package together for a right fruit now? Package. As we, as we talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a fruit package. Yeah, I'm putting the well, whole peaches fruit. and herb got to be there. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's. I can't. Did wait. Did we run out? I think I'm out. It? Well, because I'm firing on neurons a little bit. I'm not pulling up any other fruit band. Banana splits. Banana splits might be in the house. Oh, they, there's a scary monster movie with the banana splits. In oh, it, yeah. Kyle just reviewed it. He said it's a mess. It's got to be right. It's terrible. What do you? How do they even get the character rights I to do that? No idea. What's Anna Barbera? Are they going to turn all their characters in? To a, oh, here comes Chugaboo. Oh, no, it's Huckleberry Hound, <laughs> who also is on the tour with the Raspberries, by the way. It's going to be fantastic. He's the roadie. <laughs> all right, here's what we're doing tonight. First of all, spoiler alert if you have not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino movie, the ninth movie by Quentin Tarantino, yes. correct? Uh, that's what they're billing it as, but it's we, probably, it might be the tenth. But it is they're calling it the ninth. It's the ninth because because the other thing is uh, is Grindhouse, but it's a full length feature he directed. It is, but he didn't. But it's but it's I think it's under the Grindhouse umbrella, and since he didn't direct both of them, which is fine. He could I mean he can do whatever the fuck he wants. I mean I, you know yes, yeah, so this is his standalone ninth fe- standalone feature film. ninth feature film because yes. he also did uh, four rooms. He did a segment of a that. chunk of that. Yeah, he directed so, an ER for fuck's sake. Yeah, so there you go. But these are, this is the ninth the, the, from Quentin Tarantino, from Karen, opus from Quentin yeah. Tarantino. And uh, you've seen it four times. I have seen it four you times. You have invested uh, half a day with this movie. Yeah. Right? It's about three hours, right? Yeah, it's 240, so that's eight. And then 160, <laughs> so that's three. It's about 10 hours. Yeah, it's about like 10 being hours. in school. <laughs> got to figure it out. Uh, I'm thinking of fruit. I'm doing math. What the I, hell happened? And here? I saw it once. Yeah. And... Um, and initial, on your initial viewing, I'm going to find out right now if it's changed. The initial viewing, you told me that out of the nine films, this ranked at number eight. It was yeah. Hateful Eight was Hateful Eight was number eight. Hateful Eight was number eight. Oh, there's no doubt. In but my now opinion, yeah. Hateful Eight is number nine. Yeah. And is this still at number eight? No, it's moved up. Okay. How far? What's it moved up past? Well, you have to look at the fact that I'm I'm an old person. Uh, so I'm, I'm viewing you're this 40 movie, years old. Uh, well, sure. And you're a boy. <laughs> Certainly for branding purposes. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, but the more I watched it, the more it meant to me okay. uh, on that level, All on right. the level of, um, you know, cause the themes of the movie about getting older mm-hmm. and becoming useless and things like that really meant more <laughs> to me on seeing more. Uh, more getting example. older and becoming useless. I could relate. Well, I, I there's clearly, there's no doubt every single We're day. We're not useless. Uh, I, I, yes, but neither was Rick Dalton, but you view yourself through yeah. your own prism. You yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, I don't think I'm useless, certainly, mm-hmm. but, but you, you, Good, cause we're going to move some furniture when we're done here. <laughs> I need some muscles. We're going to drop another chair from a fucking second uh, floor. I need some muscles. <laughs> so I, um, I would have to, I mean, I got to look at the whole package right now, but yeah. it's better than I thought it was. Cause okay. when I first walked out, I, I knew I really liked it, mm-hmm. but I had a lot of issues with it on certain levels. Yeah. 
And it's funny, my, my buddy was in town, I mentioned last week, and we went and saw it. And he really liked it, but he yeah. had this—he had a bunch of issues that he spilled out to me. And I go, I don't disagree with anything you're yeah. saying. Everyone has had issues. With yes, it, but guess. I'm willing. I'm okay with those issues. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with it. You can go for the ride. I love it. I mean, I, right. I just so sat where, there. The second time I saw it, clarified it for me. The third time, I just let it wash over me. And the, um, the fourth time, I, I took it. I, I expect. <laughs> no, I fucking loved it, man. Okay, so. Hateful Eight is at the number nine spot. Clearly. I, I What's still, next? What's next? I still have never seen Hateful Eight a second time. Yeah. That's the first movie by him that I didn't see in the theater twice. Don't go see it. Um, I have to see it again just because I need to know. I mean, I know the problems I had with it. Someone and, and told so, me it's on Netflix and they broke it up into four chapters. With and additional, added, supposedly with addition. some additional footage. And I might check that out because I have Netflix. Well, the rumor Here's is... Here's what people say. Well, Netflix is free, so I'll check that out. It's not free. Not free. You're paying for it. <laughs> the, uh, and also there's a rumor... And I don't, I don't believe this to be true, mm-hmm. but you know how Tarantino is when he gets in an interview. Right. He'll be like, yeah, oh no, I made a, a seven hour cut of this movie. You know, yeah, all that He's bullshit. like a more coherent David Lee Roth. He doesn't fuck around. Yeah. He's literally, he's, mm-hmm. he just, he's just, his head is, I always say I get a head full of bees. He's got a head full of fucking wasps. What? I mean, it's insane. You got to answer me. What's at number eight? What? It's hateful I'm getting eight is there. number nine. Uh, I, I would actually say, and again, it's, these are just, it's just my preference. Don't fucking write me or write me. Uh, don't I, at me. I would say I like this better than the two Kill Bills. Ooh. It's it's moved up past those. Wow, because they're different movies. I love they're different Kill kinds Bill. of movies. For, this is for right now, and this can all change in a day, Pat. Who knows? Um, you know, Dogs is still my favorite movie of all time because it introduced me to him, and it was like I like I tell the story many times. You you say Dogs like when I say the Stones. Yes, Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs is still. Uh, Why I, do you call it our Dogs? Uh, no thanks. I'll just go with Dogs. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, See, but, when you say dogs, I think maybe you like one of those Air Bud movies. Oh, sure. I don't mind that. I'll see that. <laughs> the Secret Life of Pets 4. Reservoir Buds. By Quentin Tarantino. Reservoir Buds. Oh, <laughs> dude, that's not good. Okay. Um, so, okay. So, so, I, I, so again, as I often, every, people are sick of hearing me say it, but when I saw Res- Reservoir Dogs, the more I, was at, I just got up in the morning on Friday, I read the LA Times and they had a review of this movie and they just called it like, mm-hmm. you know, a bloody, you yep. know, symphony or whatever. And I'm like, I told my buddy, I go, well, let's go see this. I've never, yeah, that's man, what the, the same, fuck? That's the same thing that happened to me. I went and saw it with my, with my roommate at the time, Ed Sagan, we yeah. saw it in Chicago, and it made you feel dirty when you left. It no, was grimy. I, see, I felt like someone sat down and went, "Hey, Mike Schmidt, if you wanted everything in a movie, what could we do for you?" And the only thing no, you didn't it was, have was I nudity. had never seen. I had never seen like it. Just looked the. the it was. It looked dirty. It's, it felt like you were right in the room with these guys. Yes. And and just yeah. in the the, the so dialogue, it made the you violence. feel like you just did something wrong. I I respond to that that faux tough guy fucking mm-hmm. bullshit all the time. Mister Blonde was this revelation for me. Mm-hmm. And I, as I tell the story, I literally walked out of the theater. I walked across the street to a drugstore and I robbed. Got changed for the payphone. <laughs> yeah, I killed the guy. I got changed for the payphone and called my friends in Chicago from Pay Los phone? Angeles. Where yes. are you? We ninety two. Young, and I, we got young listeners, I think. I, okay, well, I went to a payphone and I called my friends. That's how much it meant to me. I uh-huh. went to, and I called my friends in Chicago. I said, "Yeah, I got to see this movie. You, you have to see this movie." And then I walked over and uh, and was going to watch it again. So I mean, it's did just, you did you see it immediately? Uh, no, I, the guy I was with, unfortunately, we had to bail. I, if I remember correctly, you're, you're asking me about twenty years. I ago, hope you're not friends with him ago. anymore, uh, Dennis. Actually, no, I haven't <laughs> talked to him in quite a while. The guy who doesn't want to see a movie, a good movie <laughs> that he just enjoyed. Well, I had to talk him into going the first time, and he was just uh, like, "Whoa!" Did he, he like it? He was a little on the fence on it. He didn't. He felt like you did, where it's kind of like, "I don't, I don't know." And I. No, I, was, I wanted I was to vibrating. see it, but then afterwards, I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, I wanted to find everybody and, and shake their hand and meet them and hug Tarantino and everything. And then, I just, and then when Pulp Fiction comes out, I was like, this is from the guy that did that Reservoir Dogs, yeah. but this one's got Bruce Willis But in by it. that time, I, we were devouring Natural Born Killers, which he wrote, which yeah. Oliver Stone fucking changed, but then True Romance, which is brilliant, which he wrote. Yep. So I, I was already full into the cult yep. by Pulp Fiction. And, yep. and so I'm, that was it. I was completely on board. But I mean, but you know, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, 
Uh, then you've got the Kill Bills, of course. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would put this past Inglorious Bastards. Um, this movie for, yeah, well, for I don't right like Inglorious Bastards. So for me, it's uh, Hateful Eight, Inglorious Bastards, and then this. So okay. this locks in for me at number seven. Right. Yeah. I. But I like the other ones. And yeah. and Kill Bill one and two are fantastic. So I'm not. Good. You know, this is the thing is I'm not saying oh these suck now and this goes ahead of right, me. It's right. just for the where I'm at in my. Yeah. My, like I said, I saw. There's I saw only Reservoir one Dogs. you don't like. Uh, but then I'm still, yeah, that I have to see again. Like, I don't hate this movie. Yeah. I don't hate it. It just was, um, I went from, uh, I went from wildly entertained one second to bored to tears like the next second. Yeah. Because, um, you know, because he, he lets, he lets stuff just play on and play on. We'll talk about it. Well, that's how I felt uh, when I saw it the first time in my head, I was kind of like, he, you know, he, Sally Menke was his editor. And I think the last movie she did with him was the Glorious Bastards. Yeah. and it shows a lot in this movie in a mm-hmm. three hour and 15 minute hateful eight, you know, he's, yeah. but I, I'm at he this listened stage. To, he listened to her. He did. But I'm, but I'm at a stage now, Pat, where it's I, like, if, if it you doesn't, know, length doesn't matter to me if it's great. Um, that's what she said. I, uh, <laughs> thank you. Good night. Never said it. Um, but, but, but I, if someone's great at what they do, let them mm-hmm. do it and let them keep doing it and let them do a four hour movie. I don't, I'll, if you swing for the fucking fences, you've got me. Yeah, and he's always been, that's my, that's my guy. And I, I, he speaks to me and Los Angeles looks unbelievable in this film. Yeah, it does. Um, even, you know, and, and do we need a whole episode of Lancer in the episode? Maybe no. we, maybe no, we, don't, we don't, but, but no, but after you see it a couple of times, it makes sense. Like it's the problem I have, like it used, you know, I heard, I heard your complaints. But you're the about rare it. person that might go see a movie. Like a lot of people don't go see a movie more than once. Well, things have, things have changed yeah. now. I, absolutely. I mean, I, I, if, if I, I, you know, dude, I saw the first Batman uh, with Keaton. Uh, I, dude, I saw Pumpkinhead, I think six <laughs> times because it had the trailer for Batman just so I could watch Batman walking around on screen. Not joking. Uh, not Joker. <laughs> no. Oh, did you hear about that? Well, we'll talk about that later. Um, so I, I, I refuse to apologize for loving something. I mean, I cause already people bust my balls about it all the fucking time. But there's like, even my, uh, like I said, my buddy Ahmad was just like, Hey, I liked that a lot. I don't ever need to see it again. And it's, you know, he, he, his phrasing was, Hey, I knew Tarantino was going to jerk off in my face and Tarantino jerked off in my face. That's what I expected. <laughs> and I was like, all right. But then he's got, he had all these problems and I go, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't right. disagree with what you're saying. I'm going to interrupt you now just yes. so, just because we're going to talk about it throughout the show. Mm-hmm. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go through, cause Tarantino, always puts together a great soundtrack. Yes. We did a we did an episode of all about his soundtracks, but then this one came out and this is fantastic. Yes. The music is fantastic and he picks um he picks uh you know, what do I want to say? Like he he uses bands that you uh go, "Oh yeah, that band." You know what I mean? Yes. I, I can't explain it. It's this eclectic. Is, yeah, he didn't uh there are bands in here, like there are songs, there's a couple of songs that actually bring you in, into your mind another movie, which yes. is a different thing for him. Usually he owns he his uses, soundtrack. He uses songs that were used in other movies. Yes, and, the and they, they're songs that I've always associated with other movies. And the second I hear them, I just go, whoa, but now, but he changed them just enough to a point where right. you, they belong to him now. And, right. and I, I, you know, I've, I've read an article where he has a gigantic music room and he, he turns this woman loose in it to go ahead and find all these things. And she gives him an idea and he says yes or no. And it's just, and you know, it's a process. Th- these aren't in here by accident. No, 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 no. He, it's, um, who else does, uses music great? Wes Anderson. Yes. Does great stuff with music. Yeah. And, um, so the first, uh, the first song on the, uh, on the soundtrack is something called Treat Her Right. 
And it's by a band I've never heard of. I don't even know if I've ever heard this song before. But this song is called, uh, oh, I just said it, it's Treat Her Right. <laughs> but the band is Roy Head and the Traits. Roy Head and the Traits. And uh, Roy Head was born in 1941. He's 78. He's still kicking. Oh, and, and I also read uh, a little snippet where when he then contacts these people and tells them that he's going to use their music, yep. they, that's a, they yeah. get a shower of money because it's yeah. like, they, you know, he treat her right by Roy Head and the Traits. Is a, it's dead. It's literally right. dead it's on dead. the vine. If someone it, might stream it, it on Spotify once. It might once. be public domain right. for but all we know. Exactly, but now the family of the deceased uh, uh, band members or whatever are going to get this big-ass fucking check yeah. because he was like, yeah, no, I'm going to use this song. And it's, 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 it's kind of amazing to read about. So here we go, a little bit of treaterite. I want to tell you a story Every man ought to know if you want a little loving, uh, you gotta start real slow. She's gonna love you tonight now. If you just treat her right now, I'll oh, squeeze a real jump. Gotta make her feel good. Tell her that you love her like you know you should. Cause if you don't treat her right, sounds like it could have been in Pulp Fiction. She won't love you tonight. Again, another key is if you practice my This method. is a great fucking song. It's a great song. I've never it's heard just, of it. It's just a three minute rock song. No, with I a, little own gu- it. a little guitar work and a little hook. And uh, and it, when it plays in the movie, it plays over your you're in you know Sharon arrives at the airport yep. with Roman Polanski and they're getting their luggage picked up. Yep. Easy. And DiCaprio and Pitt are on their way to the restaurant. What? I'm right. sorry, am I, am I blowing it? No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, so it plays at a yeah. point where you're, you're being introduced to the characters, yeah. not verbally, but, vi- but visually. Right. And, you know, they back out in the car. It's like, they, it's like they turn the radio on and all of a sudden it starts playing. And, uh, and you know, it's, and it's a short enough song where I think we get the entire song in the, in the open. Yeah, and there's, um, this, uh, this soundtrack's like 31 songs. Yeah, Treater writes two minutes and five seconds. Yeah, so perfect. and we get the whole thing. We get them, you know, picking up their luggage at mm-hmm. the airport. And this also sets up a scene uh, that starts the third act. When uh, someone there, Sharon and Roman are going, or Sharon and JC bring are going out, and DiCaprio's arriving at the airport. We'll talk about that later. But it literally it echoes itself later in the movie, two thirds of the way through this this type of musical montage over what the 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 people in the movie are doing. So, all right, now I'm going to play another song, and then we're going to jump. Then we will jump into more talk of the movie. Okay, I want to talk about the, the actors in the movie first. So. The next song we're going to play, it's uh, track two, oh, for, and I want to give a shout out to West Anthony. Uh, West uh, gifted me this soundtrack, so thank you so much, West. Dude, I really appreciate nice it. job, West. We could not do the show, this episode, without you. Well, we could. I would have bought it, <laughs> but, uh, but you get a shout out, so that's good. Good for you, West. All right, the next song, and this is a guy I do know about, this is Bob Seger. Yes. And this is from Bob Seger's first album. This one, it was the Bob Seger System. Mm-hmm. 1969 is when this song was released. A very, very young Glenn Fry backing vocals and acoustic guitar on this song called Ramblin' Gamblin' Man.
Glenn Fry in there somewhere. This song is a fucking stomper. It is. And again, we're, I'm, I'm still recording a all Bob Seger episode with Lisa Goich, and I'm sure uh, that song will kick off that episode. Well, it has to now. It has to, yeah. And what, so and what can you tell me what that's playing on in the movie? I, I, do, I forget. Because again, it, I enhances, it, it enhances the scene. He's, it's when Pitt's driving down Hollywood Boulevard mm-hmm. to get, he's leaving DiCaprio's place to go to his place. Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of five of these songs actually play while he's in the car. Yeah. The, the radio changes, changes, changes. But that song fucking kicks in and it's when he's, he's actually getting off the freeway to go to the valley. And, and you see the, the sign for, I think, Panorama City. So let's talk about the actors in this movie. First of all, let's talk about Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. His character in this movie is named what, Mike? You Rick, know, Rick Dalton. Rick Dalton Rick is Rick fucking Dalton. <laughs> Are you adding that? Uh, no, Brad Pitt adds. Okay. Says it to him in the scene. So, uh, first of all, the three main leads in the movie: Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie are excellent. Yes, excellent. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even. I can't even tell you how great they are in this movie. It, they're amazing. Like Brad Pitt. Should win an Academy Award for this. He should be nominated, certainly. Certainly nominated. Um, Margot Robbie, I, I'm trying to think how to explain this without being creepy. She's uh, she's she's hot. She's super attractive. And yet, <laughs> in this movie, her portrayal of Sharon Tate, she has this vulnerability and this goofiness. That, innocence. Innocence. Yeah. It's... For her to be able to play this, I mean, yes, it's acting, it, but it's it's amazing that she, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you're trying to say because I was trying to explain to somebody. I it's don't even really know hard if she's to, it's the hard same to explain. species as me. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's it doesn't even seem human what she does and how she looks. I mean, she's yeah. just a perfect creature, and she's a good actress. I, I've liked her in everything. I've even liked her, you know, in 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 things that aren't good, like but, Suicide Squad. But she's, she's great as right. Harley Quinn, and she's so good in Wolf of Wall Street. She's yeah, just, and that char- compare that character to this character, so different. It's, not it's, even the same at all. Exactly. This is all. She's she's the I, Tanya. the heart of the, this movie. Yeah, she is. You know, and that's the reason he made this because man, her family, the Sharon Tate family, did not want this movie made in the beginning, and they actually protested. They said, "No, you can't do this." And then Tarantino met with them, and he said, "This is what I'm planning to do." And they went, "Oh, cool. All right, go yeah. ahead." So we'll because tell, he talk about re- that later. Yeah. So his he wanted to reintroduce Sharon Tate in a different way from the way yeah. she's been remembered. And we actually, there's a, there's a scene when Margot Robbie goes to watch, um, what was the movie that she was in? What's the movie The Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew with Dean Martin. That's the movie she It's a she Matt Helm yeah. movie, yeah. And she goes to watch her, her own movie, and the joy on her face as she's watching her own performance. Yeah. Like, if you said, uh, oh, I went and watched my own movie, you go, what are you fucking, what are you, why would you do that? Well, there's, there's Egomaniac. But that's not what, that's not how she watches it. She's, uh, she's so enjoying the fact that she's, that the audience is enjoying her performance. She can't believe she's in a movie. She can't believe she's in a movie. That's a good way to put it. And And they show the actual, we really see Sharon Tate in the movie. Yes. Like when, when she's watching the movie, that's not, they don't reenact that movie. That's actual footage of Dean Martin and Sharon Tate. That you you love her in this movie, but she doesn't get much. You, you're kind of like just drawn to her because mm-hmm. of the way she looks, and we get to see her do some things up until this point. Yeah. But there's a Roger Ebert tells a great story about Silence of the Lambs and uh, what his opinion is. Mm-hmm. It was so important to introduce Catherine Martin singing Tom Petty in the car because now you're invested in the rest of the movie mm-hmm. and wanting nothing bad to happen to her right. ever. You love her because she's you. She she's likes you in the, the music car, that we singing, like. Yeah. Exactly. She's singing. She's just enjoying life. And the scene in the theater 
when Sharon Tate does the karate moves in the, in her seat <laughs> yeah. along with herself doing the karate yes. moves on screen. It's great. You you immediately fall in love with her because you're like, oh my God, look. Look, she's so happy. She's not jaded. She's not. She understands how incredibly lucky yeah. and magical her life is at that moment. And yep. she's bewildered by it, but she's so into it. It's fantastic. And let's be honest, people don't know Sharon Tate from anything that she acted in. We know her from the horrific... Um, Whatever her, 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 her horrific demise. That's yes. how we know the name. Yes. Um, had that not happened, we, who knows? Who knows? We might know more, you know, of her work. Yeah. But uh, and then Brad Pitt. So Leonardo DiCaprio plays Rick Dalton. So Sharon Tate. That's a real character. Yes. Uh, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, who's Brad Pitt. These these are fictitious characters. Yes. Yeah. Based upon. Rumor has it Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham yes. was supposedly the influence that it was supposed to be Burt Reynolds is DiCaprio's character mm-hmm. and Hal Needham, who was his stuntman buddy, yeah. is is Brad Pitt. But uh, but I don't believe Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham lived next door to Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. <laughs> well, no, of course not. But man. in this movie, these two guys live happen to live next door to Sharon Tate yes. and Roman Polanski. Exactly. And um, and Rick Dalton is a uh, way. Well, is he? He's a B movie guy. He's a successful actor though, but he's like, yeah, maybe the career's waning a little bit. Yeah, but he's one of those dudes you would have seen all through the seventies yeah. in every every TV show yep. you ever watched, and that's where that's the path he's on we when just, this movie starts. We, I've never, I'm, I'm because of this uh, movie show that's on CNN. Pilar and I started to have like classic movie Sunday, and because there's there's a lot of movies that when I tell you what they were. You'll be like, how did you ever see that before? So we just watched. I've never seen Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. We just watched that. Never saw Cool Hand Luke. Oh. We just watched that. And Cool Hand Luke is one of those movies. Like every guy in that movie, you're like, I know that guy. I've seen that guy a million I know this times. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Rogers is in Cool Hand yeah. Luke. And um, so yeah, so we're. Um, I, I've never seen Bonnie and Clyde. I've never seen Bullet. Those are the next oh, two. Boy. Those yeah. are the next two on the list. Well, I envy you because these are awesome. So, um, but Brick Dalton is that that level. Mm-hmm. Of actor, and he yeah. even has the scene with Jim Stacy where he basically tells him he could have been in The Great Escape, even though he's downplaying it. He's like, "Ah, yeah, I never had a chance," but you can see in his face he he thought he had a chance. You and, know, as and, then, he's and then they it. kind of re- they reenact a scene of The Great Escape. Well, he digitally, he literally digitally puts yeah. Leo DiCaprio into Steve McQueen's spot in right The Great in Escape. Um, and then later in the movie, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio goes to Italy to make spaghetti western, so he's kind of a little bit of Clint Eastwood too. Yes. Because even well, Clint, the, e- Clint Eastwood was in wag, uh, yeah. wagon. What yeah. is it? Rawhide. Rawhide. Yeah, yeah. Pack yeah. <laughs> him up. Move <laughs> him out. Add him up. So, uh, so yeah, he's a uh, he's uh, so that's he's who based he on a lot of people, right? Uh, but the, the guys of that ilk, based on a lot of actors who had that same experience. Yeah. When when because you know, <laughs> we think of now stars or movies or TV things like that are all different. But back then. There was three channels, and it was all new and magical. So everybody in the world knew who Rick Dalton was because right. he was on Bounty Law at seven thirty on Sunday <laughs> right. on, on ABC right. or ABC. So then for him to then transfer into like even he thinks the Italian movies are going to be garbage because he's been on TV every week for yep. the past like five years or whatever, and he he's starting to regret his choices and whether or not he made a mistake. All right, let's go to nineteen. 19- well, Whoa, hi. Well, you haven't really talked about Brad Pitt. You said you're going to talk about all three. Let me play some music because it is a music podcast. What? Uh, going to go to 1969. We're going. This is from the album Shades of Deep Purple. This is Deep Purple covering a song originally recorded by Joe South. This is Hush. Nine o'clock in the city of angels. Oh, I forgot that the soundtrack. Let that play. I, I'm going to, <laughs> but I want to say that the soundtrack does include. Uh, dialogue from the the AM radio station, yes. and some the of the movie. songs are in mono on the soundtrack. Some of the songs are in mono, and this is uh, 
and he did he did this uh, he did this in Res- Reservoir Dogs too with uh, Stephen Wright doing the uh, AM uh, radio stuff. But here we go. Nine o'clock in the City of Angels. Your brother here to testify because the weekend's through a money start, baby. We're gonna walk on. Mike, hold on. We have a, a word from our sponsor. Have a dream of a huge, luscious, creamy root beer float? Well, if you haven't tried one with Mug Root Beer, start drooling now. Mug, old-fashioned root beer in the new Twist Top bottle. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let me play. Let me let me play one more song because we'll never sure. get through these unless I play like two at a time cool. chunk. The next song is by the Village Callers, and this song is called. I don't. I don't know the Village Callers. I'm gonna look nope. up a little info. Uh, this song is called Hector. Now for all the jitterbugs from Pico Rivera, baby, I'm gonna cut one loose for Hey, heck, doll, your mama looking for you. Now, I don't know this song. No, me neither. Never heard it in a million years. Nope. But it's a goddamn jam. There's not anything on Wikipedia about this band. <laughs> so that's pretty bad. How can there not be? There's only one word in the whole song. Yep. Very tequila. Hector. That's what they say. He goes, Hector. Right in the middle. I guess we gotta wait for it, right? Why not? I think we should. Quite the build-up, like tequila. But it has that vibe where it sounds like it could have been recorded in a backyard at a party. Right. And hear the guys yelling in the background like Louie Louie. It's just a fucking jam. (laughs) It's awesome. And again, I wouldn't know, I don't know a fucking thing about that, but Jesus, you hear then you hear it, you're like, I can't stop listening to this. I know, it's great. This soundtrack is great. And it um it flows like uh, because you have uh, all these interludes and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's cool. It's yeah. very cool. Uh, so, my uh, one of my problems with the movie, we can't jump to the end yet, though. But my problem is when you introduce real characters, like not just like they have a they have a passing. What do I want to say? Like if they go to a party and and they and Frank Sinatra's there, okay, you know what I mean, or Mia Farrow's Pharaoh somewhere, okay, and they have an interaction with her, that's great. 
but with Sharon Tate, because we know going in that Sharon Tate's in it and we know Charles Manson's in it. Mm -hmm. So those roads are going to meet. That's what we think. Spoilers, big time spoilers. Yes. We, we know those roads are eventually because meet. forever they've been intertwined. Yes. Uh, their so fates. the whole time you're sitting in this movie, you're waiting for that, for what is inevitable to happen. Most likely, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so like he did with Inglorious Bastards in the way that, you know, uh, Hitler's demise, he totally rewrites history in this movie. Yes. Because if I, if you would talk to him, he would probably say, what's a fairy tale? It's a fable. I, I put once upon a time right in the title. Mm -hmm. So that gives me the right or whatever to do whatever I want. And I wouldn't have minded, I wouldn't have minded this if everyone would have been like, if, if there's a Sharon Tate character, but they don't call her Sharon Tate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, because what he did, I, I just, I don't, I, I just I don't, don't agree. I, I don't I hear, like it. I've heard other, I, it's fine. And if you don't like it, I totally yeah, get I that. I just don't like that. But I just, I, it's a fable. He made a fable of what could have been. He made a fable where he basically took something that, because if we're going to get into the ending. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can get into it. Right, why not? He, he, what he, happens is. All right. You, you think that the Manson family is on their way to kill Sharon, uh, Sharon Tate, Jay Sebring, and uh, Abigail Folger, and, and Wojtek Frykowski. Yes. But they go in the wrong house. And they run into Cliff Booth and his dog. Yeah. And, and Cliff, Cliff is wasted because earlier in the movie, he <laughs> bought an acid cigarette. Yes. And then he decides to smoke it then. Yeah, uh, and then they show up, and it just and you uh, you have to. I don't want to give too much away, but they they go into the wrong house. They go into the wrong house. It yes. doesn't matter. We're going to spoil it for everyone. Okay, they, they jump around. <laughs> but you have to see that scene without me spoiling it. I, it's so fucking good. Yeah, it's good. It's great. It's very entertaining. And I would have I would have been down with it if that wasn't Sharon Tate. But he but that was not what he wanted to accomplish. He basically is re I, recasting I, Sharon Tate into the light that she should have been cast in for her entire yeah. life and trying to extricate her from yeah. this but you horrible can't, fate but that you she's can't re, you can't rewrite history. But you can. But you, no, but because it's she's still dead. She was still killed by Charles Manson. Yeah, but but he can do what he what he wants to do to change the world. I mean, he if he wants to do it in his in the cinematic world, he wants to yeah. reintroduce you to that. No, character. he did it. But I mean, but he didn't change history. He didn't rewrite history. Well, nobody can change history, but right. he can make a movie about things that, the way he wanted yeah. them to be. I just I, don't. I'm just not into that. Well, all right. I, first of all, I don't want to see Sharon Tate killed. You know what I mean? I don't want that. Uh -huh. I don't want to see a movie about that. She was pregnant. It's horrific. He, he gives you, like I said, he made a fable about about that period in time and what could have been. I would have enjoyed it much more if you were go, if you would have been, if I if I was sitting there going, oh, that's that's supposed to be Sharon Tate. Oh, that's supposed to be Roman mm. Polanski. I, I I I get it, but I yeah. but I don't get it. I mean, I'm I'm all um, uh, if a filmmaker wants to do something like that because also Bruce Lee's daughter is upset with the fact with the way Bruce Lee's portrayed. In the well, film. first of all, yeah, Bruce Lee. I've never read that Bruce Lee was a dick. You you can read it in his ex wife's book. She talks about he was arrogant. I mean, I'm I'm not, and I'm not. He's super like a dick in this movie. Well, he's just. I mean, why wouldn't you be? You were the one of the fucking baddest guys in the world. So you'd walk around this talking. Is, this, but this is for me. This is the first I've ever heard like that. Bruce Lee was a dick. Okay, so but but let's look at it from this way because mm -hmm. the way they they went to Tarantino about it and like Bruce Lee's fucking karate teacher who for some reason is inexplicably still alive and then fucking <laughs> the daughter and they're just like oh yeah he you know he was mean Bruce fought for everything he got and he did all this stuff whatever. Yeah. And, and uh, he would never lose in a fight mm -hmm. to a stuntman, all this bullshit. And Tarantino goes, hey, look, it's movie characters. He goes, it's, it's, like, it's like if you had Bruce Lee fight Dracula. Cliff Booth is Dracula. I wrote him. 
And he goes, you know what? If there was a mixed, if there was a martial arts tournament in Madison Square Garden, Bruce Lee would kill Cliff Booth. But Cliff Booth has killed men in wartime with his bare hands. Yeah. That's how I wrote him. So if they're in the Philippines in the jungle and they have a fight, Cliff Booth would destroy fucking Bruce Lee. He goes, because I wrote it that way. None of the stuff that Mike's saying is in the movie. I mean, they're, no, they're but, not, but, but he, but it's a really good way for him to deal with everybody bitching at him about something. Now people something. think that Dracula's in this movie. <laughs> well, he should be. Why not write him in By there? the way, I would go see Bruce Lee versus Dracula. Right? Of course you would. But that's what I'm saying is it's, 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 it's a fucking movie. He wrote it the way yeah. he wanted to write it. So wait, so any problem I have with this movie now, you're going to go, well, that's, it's, that's the way he wanted to do it. You, no, I, well, I'm not invalidating the problems you have with it. I'm, um, I'm more willing to accept these, his explanations than you are. I never Brad Pitt has a pit bull. Mm-hmm. Maybe because he's Brad Pitt, Brad Aha. Pitt Bull. <laughs> I never saw a pit bull in my entire life until the past, I don't know, 10 years. So I, for me, I hated that because I'm like, that wasn't, back then, the, the, the tough dog was, it was like, it was a German Shepherd, then it was a Doberman Pinscher, then it was a Rottweiler, then it was a pit bull. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I don't believe he would have had a, he would have had a pit bull. Well, that, that drove right. me crazy. That's, yeah, that's nitpicky nonsense, that, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, because we don't know. In California, maybe everybody had a pit maybe bull. You did. grew up in Pennsylvania. I would have rather had him. Because, yeah, my neighbor him. was a prison guard. He had a fucking Doberman. That's who I thought yeah, was yeah, the yeah. tough dog. That's Absolutely. the tough dog. That's the dog he didn't go near. Right. And so I, don't, I knew nothing about pit bulls until they hit the news 20 years ago or whatever the fuck. But, yeah, so I hear what you're saying. But Fred maybe. Flintstone had Dino. Uh, indeed he did. Yeah, and that's way back. But that's, you know, I, I, I will tell you this. Somebody on Facebook posted too. And this, and this, I, I, that's why you love Facebook so much. Well, she just, she wrote, uh, you know what? I went and saw this Tarantino movie and I'll tell you what. Uh, right away in the first scene, they have a black and white interview where the anchorman is talking to uh, DiCaprio and Pitt. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, he says, and next week we'll be with those cut-ups, Maury Amsterdam and Rosemarie on the set of The Dick Van Dyke yeah. Show. She goes, uh, this movie takes place in 1969. Dick Van Dyke Show was off the air by 1965. Well, I, You've immediately taken me out of the story. Well, I have a thing about like that too, because like... <laughs> I got to finish what I'm saying. Okay. And then I, I, I had to write it and I go, look, Bounty Law aired from 1959 till 1962. This, this interview took place during Bounty Law's run on television, which puts it firmly in the same universe as Dick Van Dyke. I'm not trying to be the actually explaining guy, but just think a second before you go, it took me out of the whole movie and I hated the whole thing at that point. If you hate it from that fucking point, then walk out of the fucking theater. <laughs> well, when, when Al Pacino is the agent or the movie producer, what is he? He's a movie producer. He's an agent. He's an agent. When he goes, what are you going to do next? You're going to do this? You're going to do this? You're going to do a Batman? Well, Batman was off the air at that point in the movie. Mm-hmm. It was out of production in 69. Yes, but maybe he's just referencing Batman because we all know the pow, zoom, bam. He's just making fun of his, 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 his current situation. Yeah, it just seems like a guy, when a guy like Tarantino who knows boy, so much about boy. Hollywood to throw that in there. And this, th- these, are, these aren't even my major problems All right, all. well, d- did you know that uh, nobody can be hit with gamma rays and turn into a giant green fucking monster? Absolutely not, And Mike. time travel and when uh, the Ant-Man comes back like a fucking baby and knows he's a baby yes, and then comes back? I mean, it's dude, a it's a fantasy movie. film. This isn't a, fa- this isn't a fantasy it is film. A fan- it's a fable, as we've declared by the ending. I know, that, and that's what drives me crazy because he put real characters in it. Mm-hmm. Here's, a, here's another... Okay, let's play music. <laughs> and then I'm going to... Then I'm going to... Say, say a thing that Tarantino does a lot. I had I, the same fight with Elwood. He fucking hated it. And I said to him, I go, I go, you're a filmmaker. See it a second time. He goes, never. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't put me in the same uh, thing with the political <laughs> vigilante. Uh, next song is the Buchanan Brothers. Son of a loving man. Not son of a preacher man. No, sir. Son of a loving man. Let's Another song. It's a fucking jam I'd never heard in my life. The whole thing's, the whole thing's great. That's yes. why we're focusing on the soundtrack. Just start to cry on no good Cause you know I loved you much 
These all sound like 1969. They do. They're of the time. Yeah. But it's a fantasy. Why didn't he play some Queen from 1982? He could have. <laughs> The Cannon brothers were two brothers, Chester and Lester. <laughs> they recorded country music during the 1940s on the RCA label. Chester and Lester. And they made that song, which just sounds like Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds, but with a little bit of fucking uh, 60s tinge to it. And just it's just fucking... That song plays when they go to the Playboy Mansion. This might be two, this might be two different Buchanan brothers. Maybe there's different Buchanan... Maybe these are different guys, because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like... Um, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Because it seems like uh, those guys were in the 40s, and that song wasn't in the 40s. Well, while you look that up, I will tell people that plays while they're going to a party at the at the mansion, uh, the Playboy Mansion. And it's uh, Sharon Tate and Roma Polanski pull up in his fancy car, and he's dressed mm-hmm. like Austin Powers, and then yeah. they get out of the car. And there's uh, Steve McQueen and Mama Cass and Michelle Phillips there now, to meet them. let me tell you this. Yes. This is a thing that I don't like. I don't like when he... Shocking. I don't like when Tarantino does this, because then he doesn't continue to do it. As soon as they pull up... Three names pop above the actors. Mm-hmm. It says, you know, Mama Cass, Michelle Phillips, uh, and, uh, and Steve McQueen. Okay? Okay. That's right. Correct? Am I right? It doesn't, he doesn't identify Mama Cass. She meets him as they walk into the party. Well, who are the three names? J.C. Bring. Yeah, J.C. Bring, Steve McQueen, and I believe Michelle Phillips. And you know, you know it's Mama Cass when you see her. Of course, because she calls her Mama. Yeah, she calls Sharon her Mama. Sharon goes, Mama. So, a couple minutes later, Steve McQueen is basically almost breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. He's telling a story about... How he never got, um, you know, to date Sharon Tate or whatever. He's telling them what's the situation with J.C. Bring yes. Roman Polanski yeah, and Sharon Tate. It's um, it's it's voiceover, it's uh, exposition, exposition through this. Oh, and I hate In case it. you don't know what's yeah. going on, he and, gives you this little minute window. And by into the what's way, happening. who's that actor that plays Steve McQueen? He's from, I, I did not know. He's from Homeland, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, I don't like that guy. But they boy, talk did of, I think he looked like Steve McQueen. Yeah, I just, I, he takes me right out of it because I hate him. <laughs> but Jesus. okay, so as he's doing this, a woman walks up next to him, mm-hmm. who is obviously... Joey Heatherton. Actually, Connie Stevens. Really? Because yes. I thought it was Joey Heatherton. I thought it was Joey Heatherton too, but then when I, I looked through, it's supposed to be Connie Stevens because of the hair. Right. Why didn't it pop up and say... Connie Stevens. I agree because I thought it was Joey Heatherton. Yes, so or Joey Heatherton. Because I leaned over to Pilar and I said, it's just supposed to be Joey Heatherton. Yep. But I was mad. Why do you do that? Why does he do some of these tricks sometimes, but not do them? He should have. Again, he should have. Yeah, should have been there. And again, that's not a thing that ruins the movie for me. That's just a thing that uh, bothers me. But well, I'll tell you what, now I, I really wish he would have done it because I thought this all four times that it was Joey Heatherton to the point where the, four, I, the last two times in the credits, I'm looking for Joey Heatherton and I'm going... Why is who played Joey Heatherton? Like, yeah. Why is that not uh, in the credits? Because also in the cast on Wikipedia, it says uh, Dreamo Walker as Connie Stevens. Okay, which makes sense. Yeah, um, because also Michael Madsen is not in the credits of the movie. Tim Roth is in the credits, and he was cut out of the film. Yeah, Madsen's in an episode of Bounty Law within the movie. Yep. he's not in the credits. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I, I heard Tim Roth. I go, Even I James didn't... Remar, who's in an episode of Bounty Law in the yeah. mo- in the movie. Is in the credits. Madsen doesn't make the credits. Yeah, like I didn't see Tim Roth anywhere, and I was like, Tim Roth was not. I didn't see him anywhere. No, he's cut. It's, it even says special thanks to Tim Roth, and in parentheses it says cut. So they did do editing. <laughs> yeah, 
He actually changed. He actually added. Uh, you know that button scene with the red apple cigarettes in the credits. Mm-hmm. That didn't play at Cannes. I don't think. I think he added that after the fact for the wide release. That scene doesn't play anywhere. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. The, I can't find anything about the Buchanan Brothers. But the next song I'm going to play is this is then this is one of those weird things you're talking about. This song is called Paxton Quigley's Head the Course, not the Curse, the Course, mm-hmm. and it's from an MGM film, Three in the Attic. Oh, and that's because. We, Sharon, get, a, we she, get a radio commercial for Three in the right. Attic, and he drives past the marquee of the theater with Three in the Attic playing. And that's uh, and Sharon Tate's in Three in the Three in the Attic. No. Is she in that movie? No, it's just it's on the radio okay. as he's driving. We get a jingle for it. There's a lot of stuff. The movie's. All right, I apologize. Jan- he's uh he's watching. It's on Pitt's television. Mm-hmm. It's before Mannix. It yeah. runs after Goulet and before Mannix. It's a commercial for Three in the Attic. And, and the movie's jam packed with uh, with Hollywood. Oh um, yeah. Uh, what do I want to say? Uh, sights and sounds and and trivia and. And Easter eggs, whatever you want yeah, to call it. Because then I'll, t- I'll tell you a big flaw later. Uh, okay. that, you know, because we live here, we know things. Yeah. And so. so this is Chad and Jeremy, and this is uh, Paxton Quigley's Head the Course. Look at yourself and wonder why The world is coming to an end But there's no use in crying For this You reap that which you sow But you plant it without pain oh, Just have you know that was released in 1969 Did not chart did not chart. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, a lot of like you said, a lot of these songs are like they're really hidden gems. Like, oh yeah, it's there's 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 some that you've you know Hush or Rambling Gambling Man. Everyone knows that. Or, well, I I did not know Rambling Gambling Man. I know you I know Seeger. No, you never knew that Rambling Gambling Man. Not that cut. I knew of it, but didn't know it. And I only knew Seeger from basically from '74 on. All right, well that that's when everyone knows. Him. Yeah. So that you know. So when I when I heard that, I'm like, this is fucking stomping, and it sounds just like he sounds just like fucking Seeger. <laughs> yes, he and does. it's just gorgeous. It's and again, he's, and he's driving, and he's driving fast because mm-hmm. that's another thing. Is Cliff Booth drives fucking fast everywhere, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's playing, and it's just a perfect fast driving song in a Carmen Gee. It's just it's just killer. It's just fucking great. Chad and Jeremy were English musical duo, and that song sounds very much like it could be like a deep uh, a deep cut on a Kinks album. Oh sure, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they began working together in 1962. Are they on? Are they the ones on Gilligan's Island? They might be, and had their first hit song in the UK with "Yesterday's Gone." Let me see if it says anything about them being on Gilligan's Island, playing like the Mosquitoes or some weird uh, thing like that. If I remember correctly, is it them? Uh, you're not convi- you're not confusing them with the Way Outs from uh, from the Flintstones. <laughs> I am not. Do you remember that? <laughs> We're the Way Outs, Way Outs. <laughs> That's where the fun is way out. <laughs> it's very much the same kind of thing, though. Like it they, is. they show up on the yeah. on Gilligan's Island somehow, and and if I remember, they have a battle of the bands with the women. Uh, I don't even know. How do I, I fucking even know hate, that? Exists? I hate Gilligan's hated Island. It, hated it with a passion. Hate everything about Hot it. Girls, and that's it. Oh my god, I hate Gilligan's Island. Fuck you, yep. Gilligan's Island. Yes. Oh my god. Fuck the Jeffersons. Fuck all that shit. I grew up watching, and it, 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 I well, hate it. The Jeffersons oh. isn't bad. It's dead to me. <laughs> Don't care for What's it. What's a classic TV show that you've never seen an episode of? And I'll throw one down too. Oof. ER, uh, which is, I don't know if that counts as a classic. Uh, Game, like, of, Game of Thrones, never saw it. All right. I mean like old school. Like oh, for example, oh, I've, I've never seen one episode of Magnum P.I. Oh yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, never, I never watched I that. I care less. Yeah. 
Hawaiian shirt. No thanks. The Detroit Tigers mustache. mustache. Two mustaches. Yeah. A couple of awful mustaches. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about it. Not for me. And, uh, and black friend, white friend, get lost. I'll tune in Miami <laughs> Vice and check that out. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, no, I never saw Magnum P.I. Yeah. I never saw Dynasty or, uh, or Falcon Crest or any of those That's those a mom shows. show. That's Dallas. for a mom. Uh, <laughs> but it's still a classic TV show. show I never saw an episode of. Uh, boy, that's a good, that's a good question. I'd have to think about it. There's probably a ton. I mean, there's a fuck ton of shit. I've, I've seen. never seen an episode of Hogan's Heroes. I think I, I, I may have accidentally sat Maybe through one, but it was never appointment fucking television. And how was me. that for you? Uh, oh, I loved it. Oh my God. I can't forget it. I need to see all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just the whole premise was stupid. I hated all of it. Any, yeah. Anything where adults were so stupid or acted oh, like a cartoon, it, I just, it just drove me crazy. Except for uh, Three's Company, because they were they they're, they're hot girls. I happen to wa- I watched one of those. I was in Toronto recently, and it just we were in the hotel. And How it was that hold up? Oh God! It's just you're just. Uh, it was actually the and it was the one with because again, here's what <laughs> is the, it Furley or was it Roper? Uh, it was Roper. And okay. here's the benefit of those old shows. I hate to be this because those shows, you know, Fred Silverman invented tits and A, TNA, yeah. TV, TNA. So uh, so fucking John Ritter had a date with some girl mm-hmm. in this in this one, but he's got to hide it from Roper or whatever the fuck. And of course, this woman walks in, and I just immediately I, I I wait till the end, and I see her name, and I Google her naked, and there she is. She's naked. She was in some, <laughs> you know, some exploitation film in the seventies. Oh any God. one of those women you can Google naked and find any Mannix episode, any Kojak episode, you can find them. They were in some Grindhouse movie uh, with their tits hanging out. It's fun. I feel like I've seen Mannix because I thought he was cool. I'm like, I watch Mannix now. Is it good? Mannix, Mannix and Kojak. Yes. I mean, it holds up. In is that it misogynistic? Era. Of course. That's, here's one of my favorite lines in the movie. That's how it goes, right? And uh, you know what's funny is in the opening credits, and you see it on on that show, on in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he twirls a girl and her dress goes up, and like she's got kind of like her panties are kind of wedged a little bit in a in almost like a thongish type of thing. And I thought even in 1969, that's fucking risque. Like I can't believe it yeah. made the credits. But in that scene, Cliff Booth is watching Mannix in his uh, trailer, and he sits down to eat. And uh, Mannix goes, well, you know, musicians, they're temperamental cats. They might have just, and Brett, and Cliff Booth just goes, yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite, <laughs> it's one of my favorite moments because he's talking back to Mannix and just, yeah, you yep. know, musicians, they're temperamental cats. Yeah. Yeah, he agrees uh, with him. I love it. Man- Mannix is where it's at. <laughs> uh, what was the last thing we talked about? Let's play another one. Here you we go. played Paxton Quigley. Well, hold on. Having the course. We have to, you know, look, you know how it is on podcast. You have to, you know. You got, you got to make money some way, so you have to, you, have to, you know... Oh, you want your sponsor? Yeah, sponsor. So here we go. I only want you to listen to this uh, commercial if you're under 25. It's about new Tanya Tanning Butter, the suntan product with no sunscreen added. Uh, and you know what that means. It means the only ingredients between you and the sun are natural coconut oil and cocoa butter, Hawaii's favorites. That and a little lava smoke thrown in there. for Tanya, Tanya Tanning Butter is guaranteed to give you really deep Hawaiian tan faster than you ever thought possible. It's so fast, in fact, that you might even burn a little bit, but we've all done that. Not enough to hurt, though. If you want the deepest, fastest Hawaiian tan on the beach, you better pick up on some Tanya tanning butter. Prices start at a low 85 cents. That's a small price to pay. Let's face it. A deeper, faster Hawaiian tan. That's what you get. I do want to give out a warning. This is a right. Tanya tanning butter is what um, uh, Eddie Money put it on his esophagus. Oh, that's unfortunate. So, yeah, yeah, no. I know. So be, be, be warned. There, you could get cancer from I, that. I love that ad because I love the lava smoke ad lib he throws in and then he double clutches i love the hey you might burn but ah, we've all done that we've like done you know that. you could die of cancer but who cares and then at the end when he goes that's 85 cents and that's a low price to pay let's face it or you know, let's like let, let's let's face it i think he says and it's just like what does that even mean my mom used to lay out in the sun with the straight up baby oil yeah people use butter oh my god mm-hmm. yeah 
It's yeah. unbelievable. How are people still among us? I have no idea. I, now I you know, 100 SPF. But I can't stop listening to that commercial and all in the whole soundtrack. I listen to that commercial. Yeah, it's all of the commercials are fantastic. All the commercials are great. All the air checks from from 1969's AM radio with the real Don Steele and stuff are just fucking amazing. Now, and the next song is a band featured uh, why, why, widely. Is that, a, is that a term in the movie? Yes. Uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. It, it appears to be Sharon Tate's favorite band. Yes. Uh, I wonder if that's true. I don't know. That could be true. It could be, it could be whatever he wants it to be. Oh, my God. Maybe your favorite band was Josie and the Pussycats. Does Pussy it bother Kids. you if she liked Paul Revere and the Raiders? She's <laughs> no. A, Sharon no. Tate, a real person, no. like a different band. But I would like to know what her real favorite band well, was. Of course you would. I bet it was the Beatles and you couldn't get the rights to any of their songs. But he wouldn't want, if there's a Beatles song in here, I'm mad. Because <laughs> the whole point is he does that deep dive thing, man. Yeah. Well, here we go. It. This is a song called Paul Revere and the Raiders is a good thing. And this is in the trailer. little info on good thing that's from the album the spirit of 67 that went to number four on the u.s charts which sharon actually is holding the cover of and takes the vinyl out and puts it on and has to start the needle three different times to hit the song you would think that a song that went to number four in the 60s Mm -hmm. that that i would know or you would know i don't know this song from adam no do i like it yes it was it's again it's a jam it's great and it is the song that is playing when charles manson arrives in the movie and by the way Charles Manson is really not in the movie. Charles Manson's in the movie for 90 seconds. If you saw the trailer, you saw his performance. Mm-hmm. Well, not, and that, that scene's not even in the movie. Yeah. In that scene, he waves a Brad Pitt on the roof. Does he talk at all? Yeah. He says, hey, I'm a friend of Terry's and Dennis Wilson. That's right. And then J.C. Bring goes, yeah, they don't live here anymore. You got to take the back path. And he looks at Sharon Tate and he goes, ma'am. And I, think and he, I think that's Terry, Terry Cashman. Whoever it is, he's now the, he's the Manson in Mindhunter right now on Netflix and everybody's telling me how unbelievably what a home run it is. Wait a minute. This same guy played Manson yes. again. Yes. That, he's never going to be able to he's never going to be able to break out of that. Talk to Steve Railsbeck about that. Oh, he was great, wasn't so he? So good. So good in Helter yeah. Skelter. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, I think that's Terry Cashman. Let me see if I uh, if I know who I'm talking about. But he shows up in that scene and that's uh that this song plays after Pitt has the flashback where Pitt uh, goes back and remembers when he was working on the Green Hornet or he wasn't working on the Green Hornet and he was on the set of the Green Hornet and he wanted to work on the Green Hornet and then Kurt Russell shows up and explains why maybe it's not a good idea for Brad Pitt to work on the Green Hornet. Um, no, it's not Terry Cashman. It's a Terry... And again, look, I don't know everything. All right. I think it's Terry Melcher. That's who it is. Terry Melcher, do, 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 California Sound, folk rock. Yeah, he produced uh, Birds. Yeah, that's who it was. Okay. That's who it was. I don't want to give misinformation. Sure. Look, I only know what I know. I don't know any everything. I know what I know. Mm-hmm. And that was Terry and Dennis Wilson who lived at that uh, at that house next yes. door. Yes. Uh, yeah. Previously, and then Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski bought it. All right. I'm going to play one more song by Paul Revere and the Raiders. Uh, these are back to back on the soundtrack album. This is called Hungry. 
That song went to number six. All right. And uh, is that also of the same album? Yes, that's also... That's the one to get, people. The Spirit of 67 sounds like the one to get. Uh, Good Thing uh, Good thing kicks off side one on the vinyl album, and Hungry kicks off side two of the vinyl album. I also want to let you know that the lead singer, Mark Lindsay, co-wrote Good Thing with Terry Melcher. Oh, so there you go. Connecting it all. Connecting the dots, people. That's not an accident. Nope. Connecting the dots. Paul Revere's on keyboards. You know what he told us. What's that? British are coming. <laughs> uh, and, and that song is, uh, again, another song I don't know, but now I instantly, for, you know, with the, its placement in the film and placement in the soundtrack, I'm on board with it. I love it. And oh. also, this is the first time I think he's used multiple tracks by the same artist on a soundtrack. Like, I want to buy a Greatest Hits now by Paul Revere and the Raiders. Right, yeah. It's the same way when I saw the Dave Clark Five documentary. Mm-hmm. It was on PBS, I don't know. Five years ago, or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I don't really know anything about the Dave Clark Clark Five. And then I watched that, and I'm like, I'm a huge fan of the Dave Clark Five. <laughs> so uh, yeah, pretty yeah. cool. So I'm yeah, I'm gonna find a greatest hits by these guys and buy it. Perfect. Or maybe I just buy this out. You could do that. The Spirit of '67. Yeah. And they're Cherokee people, right? That's them. Cherokee people. But that that done. That's that sounds age well. Yeah. Let me see. Is that them? One, yeah. it's written from the perspective of the Cherokee people who just, they just, look, they're so proud to live, so proud to die. That's what they are. Uh, Indian Reservation, The Lament of the Cherokee Reservation Indian, that went to number one. Yeah. That was a platinum single. Right. It's kill. Platinum single. And that's how I knew Paul Revere and the Raiders. I didn't know a fucking other thing about him. And then these other two songs are better than that song. Yeah, that song I don't like. Who wrote that song? Cherokee People? Yeah. Bob Cherokee? Uh, I'm going to guess him. That and the Indian who cried at the pollution in a commercial. That was around the same time frame, right? They probably called him up. <laughs> Got his input on it. John D. Loudermilk wrote that. With a W or a U? What do you mean? L-O-U or L-O-W? L-O-U. Loudermilk. All right. Yeah, Loudermilk. I think he wrote the... He wrote a song from the Yankee Rose album. I gotta look it up now. He may have written Loudermilk Express, which was a big hit in 1981, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't. You don't think I remember correctly? All right. I so. I'm not going to challenge you. This is a music podcast and you're the host. Hold on. I'm looking this up. Talk a little bit. All right. Uh, so uh, it's interesting that John Louder Mo- D. Loudermilk wrote Tobacco Road. Ah, there you go. Tobacco okay. Road. What else do we want to, what, what do we want to talk next about the movie? You tell me. Um, More problems that I can bat away with a tennis racket? <laughs> You can bat it away now because you can just go, it's a fable. <laughs> okay. There's a scene when Rick Dalton gets uh, a, a big guest star role on a Western. Yes. And um, Timothy Oliphant is great. He plays. When he walked in, I, in my brain, I knew exactly who he was because I, I knew who the actor Jim Stacy was. Yes. 
And when Oliphant walked in and he looked like, I went, that's holy, f- how do they make him look like Jim Stacy? It's crazy. He, he just kind of does. Yeah. And then they just a little bit of makeup. It's a, and it's a little bit of camera angle and everything yeah, too. A little yeah. bit. Um, Which is the same thing with the McQueen. Because I, yeah. I, my buddy showed me a picture of that guy from Homeland. I'm like, that guy's a fucking weirdo looking. He looks they, like a modern art painting. They keep bringing that guy up to be the next James Bond, and I'm done <laughs> with James Bond. If, that, if, they, if they give it to a ginger, well, he's I'm done. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, but he looks like McQueen to me in the movie. I was like, Jesus Christ, he looks yeah, like McQueen. He's fine. It's the I angle just, and everything else. Um, so we get to see. First of all, the the foot fetish is on full. I, I I'm jumping. Uh, ship here for a second. Well, it's all over the movie. The foot, but it is like if you know going in that Quentin Tar- Tarantino loves to film bare feet and butts. Yeah, it's it's overwhelming almost. He it's steers. Almost, the way I said it was, he steers into the skid at this point. Almost overwhelming with this. Well, but and there's if so you, many camera if angles. you don't know, maybe you don't notice. Maybe no, no, you have you notice. It's I, unbelievable. It's, it's, yeah, it's and also there are so many scenes that just start with feet. That, yeah, even in shoes. Just, just they get out of the walk, car and walk people in. are walking. Yeah, that's his camera deal, and he pans up but from there. Tons of bare feet, too. Yeah. He Is likes that... the gnarly bare feet, too. They're coming for us. <laughs> I thought that was a song you were playing. Um, nope, they're coming. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, fi- I don't... I don't... I'm playing Firehouse by Kiss. Yeah, I don't... Uh, yeah, the gnarly bare feet, because that's another thing my buddy's just like, it's disgusting. Quit shoving that in my face. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that's everybody's preference, because I don't, I don't care. I mean, I... I Margaret Qualley is a very attractive lady, and if she's going to put her feet on my dashboard, good for me. And same oh, thing with Margaret. Okay, Robbie. let's talk about this scene. Since you know everyone, like when we talked about it, like a like a day after I saw it, which was like months ago, yes. I could remember everything about it. So you kind of need to steer me. Okay, this actress, um, say her name again, Margaret Qualley. Margaret Qualley, I believe she was in the Leftovers television show. Yes. And she played, uh, a, I think um, she played whatever. She was a daughter of something. I, I know nothing about this woman okay. walking into the movie theater. Okay. She's, um, she's, uh, and then I can't take my eyes off her during the but entire she film. She skews so young in this yes. movie. So young in yeah, this movie. So young that I'm skeeved out that I kept looking at her and I couldn't stop staring. And the Brad Pitt character runs into her three times. Three times. Third time's a charm. Third time. Now, we've, we already know some backstory about Brad Pitt's character is that he says, he says he avoided jail. Mm-hmm. And then we find out well, that... Well, he doesn't say that until she's in the car. Right. Um, but we know that he may have killed his wife. Okay, here's the, here's the deal about this scene. They, they, yeah, it's mentioned that he might have accidentally killed his wife. No, it's, he might have. They never say accidentally. We get the hint of it possibly have, in the flashback okay. scene. But they just say he killed his wife. This flashback scene is so unnecessary for me because there's absolutely zero payoff for it. The only reason I can think that Tarantino has this in there is because he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do this flashback scene and then we'll, uh, Brad Pitt will be wearing the same wetsuit that uh, Sean Connery wears in Thunderball, the orange wetsuit. That's what I want. Okay. I, I don't know why I that's... I disagree scene, with you completely. The scene's not... It, there's no payoff for it. it. There's no payoff for that scene. There's a huge laugh at the end of that scene. What every all four times I've seen it, it gets a big laugh in the theater. What's the, what? What's it get a laugh on? The look on Pitt's face is basically a sigh as his wife won't stop bitching at him. And the fucking it's it's also the equivalent of Travolta shooting Marvin in the face. Yeah, he's, he's holding it. He's, he's got the harpoon boat. gun and it's 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 yes. painted pointed right at her, and he's just staring forlornly like. And it's you. It's that leaves that vague moment like we don't know. Did he pull the trigger? Did he kill her? Did a wave hit and he accidentally killed her? Right. But that's eventually what I mean she winds up dead have, in that scene. Doesn't have a payoff. That's what I'm saying. No, it leaves it. In ten, what's in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction? 
I don't. He wants you to fill in the blank. Cracker, whatever. Cracker jacks. Fine. What, okay. If that's what it was to you, because that's that's what he does all the time. He'll be like, "Hey, man, whatever you thought yeah, it was." But I just thought. So that do you was think he killed his wife? Do you think he didn't? Also, kill his you wife? brought this up. Laughs in theater. There were laughs at things that I thought. I'm like, why? And I don't mean why are they laughing. That's not. That's not a joke. It was like, dudes in the theater I saw were laughing at stuff that made me skis me out. The first first time they I saw it, skis me out. I my the first time I saw it, I saw it two days before it opened anywhere. In America. Like the guys that laughed at these jokes <clears throat> in the Tarantino movie that night, those are guys I don't want to be friends with. Yeah, I. Uh, there's a part where um, there are f- movie bros, film bros. Yeah, but there are people who think. They, there are also people who laugh a lot because they want to show that they're getting it. <laughs> I know what he meant to do there. <laughs> I mean, I get, I get it. That's yeah, yeah. you know, because when I there's a scene where Wojtek Frakowski's lying on the couch and he's watching the horror movie host from the guy who was before Elvira. I forget what his name was, and uh, and he says, uh, and Kurt Russell's the the narrator, and he says, oh, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Okay, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the horror <laughs> right, movie. I'm host. pretty sure it was not. I'm pretty sure. But uh, he's there, and he's he goes, uh, Wojtek Frakowski was lying on the couch and watching American television, and. Uh, thinking about how much better it was than Polish television while smoking a big fat joint and a big laugh happened the first night I saw it. And I had in my brain, I went, Oh no, does he, is he now the guy who makes movies for people who think smoking a joint is funny? Yeah. I hope not. Um, so yes, there's, there's a lot of that every time. Uh, no, cause it didn't get laughs the other times, but it was the opening night and he was in the room. He's in the theater mm-hmm. with me the first night I see it. Tarantino was. Yes. So did you sit together? Uh, <laughs> We, we had a long chat beforehand, but he had some other business. To That's take care a of. VIP experience. Uh, it was it was amazing, um, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There are people who who laugh at certain things, and you just go, Jesus Christ! Jeez, you why know, what's you laugh at that? For? But but I I don't care. I think it's funny that where he left it hanging with the pit scene, and I think it it belongs in there because it gives you a thing of well, he might have killed his wife, or he did he kill his wife, or was it an accident that his what is either way his wife wind up dying on the boat, and 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 so it leaves it in there for your interpretation. Why is such a minor character in this movie? Uh, Kurt Russell plays. Yes. Why is he narrating this movie at times? Well, you're right. I, again, I can't, <laughs> I won't argue with that. I, I, the, but okay, one of the things can, that pissed me off the can, first time. We can th- agree on something. Well, well we've I, agreed on stuff so far. We I'll like the cast. I, and I don't tell you, I don't invalidate your concerns. Some no, 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 I, I know. Can, but here's I, how my brother argues a movie. I didn't like that movie. What didn't you like about it? Everything. Yeah. I'm like, come on. When I, when I saw Hateful Eight, uh, literally what soured me on the movie the only thing I can really remember of the movie, I remember the end being mm-hmm. great, all right, from the time someone shows up who you don't know is there. Yeah. Okay. I remember hating Eskimo fucking Bob, whoever that was, just going, I don't, I don't get this character. I don't know why he's in here. It's very frustrating. Right. But also, I remember the big scene that closes the, the first act yeah. before the intermission yeah. where Bruce Dern's son is involved in a compromising position with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And then it ends and goes to intermission. And then when it comes back, the first voice you hear is Tarantino explaining everything you just missed. That's the worst. And I went, that's all I remember from the movie. So yeah. I'm like, why the fuck is there a narrator? Why is it him? him? He take because you, you talk about people taking you out of a movie. Yeah. The second he shows up in Inglorious Bastards, I, or, I'm sorry, in uh, Django, I laughed out loud when he's the fucking Australian slave guy. Hey, black, or whatever the fuck. You're just like, so why? terrible. Yes. It, well, he doesn't need to be in there. He, he's, M. Night Shyamalan, the same thing. Terrible when he's in a movie. But that dude, can, he's, but he's not terrible in Pulp. In my no, opinion, no, because I, he, because he's, he's he's not he's minor, yes, and we don't know who he is. Well, and and I'm you know what we don't know he's like, that's, you you might know you might go 
oh, the guy that plays that part, he actually directed it. And you're but, like, but oh, also cool. he cast himself appropriately. A nerdy fucking yes. idiot in a robe who's, yep. in t- who's got gangsters in his house. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not a cool guy. He's not a tough guy. But he's, know, in, he's in uh, Dogs too, and he's fine. Which is fine. Yeah. He's yeah, fine he, in both of those parts. I'm right. fine with those. But in, it's funny because we almost got him in Kill Bill 2. You know, he's almost the old Chinese guy who mentors Puma. No. Because he had an actor who fell out, and then he decided to cast the guy who's the head of the crazy 88 yeah, yeah, yeah. as it, because otherwise he was going to do it. He's uh-huh. like, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do here. And he was, I'm like, dude, don't well, look fucking when dare. It, when it's, when it's, when, when you, when you're up against the wall and it's like, I don't want to, I don't know what to do here. I, okay, I'll do it. But that's, <laughs> when, if the guy who was going to score the movie dropped out, does Tarantino go, you know what? I'm going to write this music. But if you read anything about this dude, he wanted to be an actor from the jump. I mean, Christ, yeah, remember golden girls. Wait, dude, he hosted fucking Saturday night live. And then he wound up, he was in on Broadway with Marissa Tomei in Wait Until Dark, mm-hmm. and he got destroyed by reviews. They fucking yeah. they were just like he was supposed to be the villain, like the hard ass tough guy villain. Yeah, and everybody's like, we can't. It's Quentin Tarantino being. He's not even tough or scary, <laughs> and and that hurt him in yeah. a way where he was just like, holy fuck. Yeah. Um. But he's Ed Hart. He he wants to be in front of the fucking camera. He yeah. doesn't want to be behind it, even though obviously it's clear where his talent lies. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But Kurt Russell when he narrates. At least it's Kurt Russell. Like, I, honestly, because if, I me, love if Kurt it's Tarantino, Russell. but I'm saying if it was Tarantino doing it, I'd be Even like, worse. I'd be so fucking mad. But I have to admit, I was like, why is there a narrator in this movie? I don't but, need a narrator. But, it would have been so much more interesting to go to Spain and go and, to Italy yeah. with DiCaprio and Pitt, but the movie's already three like, hours, so how do you do that? At the beginning when he was narrating, I thought, because we don't know stuff yet, I thought, um, who, who, what's Brad Pitt's character called? Cliff Booth. I thought, I thought, um... Uh, uh, I thought Kurt Russell was maybe the older Cliff Booth. Right. It, when the narration started, the first time he narrates, I'm like, oh, I bet, I bet he's supposed to be the older Cliff Booth. Because I think at that point we haven't seen him and Brad Pitt together. With that scene where they showed DiCaprio in the car in front of the frolic room after yeah. his accident, Brad Pitt should narrate that scene. Yes. That's a lie. Rick wound up putting, he drank too much, now I got to drive him everywhere. Right. It's, it's yes, so, easy so easy to have Pitt do because that. Because later in the movie, when Kurt Russell was narrating, it's worthless. It's literally like this. Mike Schmidt grabs a bottle of water, takes the cap off, and takes a small drink. Nah, I don't, I don't agree with that. He's just telling you exactly what we're seeing. He's getting you up to speed with what we've missed in the past six months. And, he, and look, the heavy lifting is done between the, lift, the, the titles of the movies. That's lazy film writing. That's I, lazy. I don't disagree with you. But, it's but, so lazy. Show us. Yes. I don't need... All right, so you're gonna go to, now you're going to go to Italy and Spain for, for how long? Another hour of movie? No, but he, it's, it's, like, it's like so like ridiculous. Like Literally, it's like... I disagree that it's ridiculous. I, I did not like the fact there was a narrator. I think it's lazy. I don't think it's something that you should be what? in there. If, if he wouldn't have shown us uh, Rick Dalton... If they, if they, like you said, there's a mini episode of that, uh, of that one... Um, Lancer. Of Lancer right in the middle of this. That's when I was the most bored. I, I hear you. I, again, I can't argue with you. I know the what way, you're saying. The way he shot it was, he shot it like was it was an episode. He didn't shoot it like where we saw the crew and stuff or the boom or anyone. We just saw scenes from the episode. Until he said back to one and then the camera and everything Until else. Until that. Because like, he's fascinated with how to make movies. Hey, look. Yeah. I, I, but to me, that I was did. like, well, are you going to, well, then make a, make a real, make a Western then. Uh, make that like, make No, that, don't make, make a that. fucking Western. Don't. You made a Western. <laughs> Stay in LA. I'm, I'm fine with it. Because again, yeah. also now the rumors, we were, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. He, he's been telling people he shot five full episodes of Bounty Law. And that they may come to Netflix. He might eventually. And I'm like, well, there's no right. way DiCaprio <laughs> made fucking five episodes of Bounty <laughs> that's, that's Law. It's horseshit. Right. Well, fine. If you want to put it on Netflix or whatever yeah. the fuck. But I mean, I don't, I don't need that. Right. Good for him. I hope it shows up. If yeah. you really are doing it with DiCaprio and Madsen and all the guys yeah, that are yeah, in the yeah, fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, that's cool. But I don't, I don't find it to be useless. And I don't find Because yeah. again, I, I will say this. I, 
I saw Reservoir Dogs and I was 20. Well, here's, here's the thing I don't like about it. When DiCaprio, when DiCaprio messes up a line, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they go back to one. He's shown us like this whole thing. So it, it's the illusion that, that DiCaprio's never messed up a line the whole time. Right. right. Like, uh, it, it, it's, it's like, it's the illusion that, like, that he messed up a 20-minute take mm-hmm. with this one mistake. And he didn't, because we know how, you know how they feel. I mean, people were usually, they were probably messing up lines all the time. But it's also his, his commentary yeah. on Rick losing his powers mm-hmm. as an actor. It's his commentary on how Rick used to make movies. And yeah. in movies, you couldn't just say, back to one, back to one. Yeah. Rick's a different kind of actor. And mm-hmm. now he's forced to adapt to working in television mm-hmm. where he's, he, he, method isn't even a thing yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you just do. And so he's, you know, you, the method is almost being born and putting him in the yeah. mustache and, and all that stuff. That's almost being born in the, in the hands of Sam mm-hmm. Wanamaker. And DiCaprio doesn't know how to deal with that. So he doesn't want to go, he wants to just start the whole fucking thing over because he's mm-hmm. also has no confidence. He thinks he's terrible. Yeah. And it gets to that in the scene, you know? And no. so, He's, he's hit his post and hit the mark all the time. And then when he finally messes up, he's so in his own head, he's furious. Two songs and we're going to talk about uh, uh, a really cool thing. Hold on, I know. I know, but it's about this. Okay, go ahead. Uh, when we were talking about, oh, fuck, I don't remember what it was. Go ahead and play your music. Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. This is Jenny Take a Ride. On Rock Solid. Sorry, people at home. Really care for that song. That might be the, the the first dip in the soundtrack for me. I was surprised it was on the soundtrack because the only part it plays in the movie is it's playing on a coming attraction when Sharon Tate takes yeah. her seat in the movie theater. And because for the movie CC and Company with Joe Namath. Your favorite song in the movie is not on the soundtrack. You want to tell us a little bit about that, Mike? Am we going to get to it? Or I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to play it right now. Really? Yeah. Well, but it's I, I have to tell you because it's a whole thing because of the scene it's with. Okay, we'll talk about it later. I don't. I would do jump I will, into. I would jump into another Deep Purple song, uh, a cover of a. Neil Diamond song, Kentucky Woman. Kentucky Woman, she shines in her own kind of light. She looks at you once in a day, what's wrong is all right. And I love her, God knows I love her. Kentucky Woman, she gets to know you, she gets to own you. Love that song, Kentucky Woman. You knew that was a Neil Diamond song, right, Mike? I did not. Yeah, that's a cover Until of a Neil Diamond song. Until you just said song. so. I knew it was a cover. I did not know who it was originally, originally by. You didn't know that was a Neil Diamond song? I, I don't know his catalog like you know his catalog, which is why uh, the usage of the song that we're going to hear here shortly in the trailer made me so ecstatic because I was like, I don't know this fucking song. Oops, that's the wrong version. I don't want to play that. Version. Okay, Here we keep go. that quiet. Here's Neil. Kentucky woman, she shine with her own kind of light. She look at you once in a day, that's all wrong, looks all right. And I love her. God 
God knows I love her Kentucky woman She get to know you She got to own you Kentucky woman Also, that Deep Purple, that is, that's super old Deep Purple. Like, that's not, this isn't even with Ian Gillen. It's with the lead singer's Rod Evans. Really? It's Richie Blackmore, John Lord, Ian Pace. Same as the Hush mm-hmm. cover. And, uh, but Rod Evans is on lead vocal. What's Rod Evans' fucking history? What's he, where's he? Is he a Deep Purple guy solely? No, I don't know what he did. Let me find out. He, he was with Captain Beyond. Ah, you know all their hits, all their, who knows? Tarantino might pull some Captain Beyond. <laughs> right, out I can't make fun of it. He's got solo albums. He's got, uh, he's got one solo album. But I love finding about guys like that. You yeah, know who yeah. Scott Walker is? He just died last year. And then I, when he died, I, I, I had heard a song by him. Someone shared. And then I explored his catalog. I'm like, Jesus. And then I find out that David Bowie idolized him. And there's a clip on YouTube of Scott Walker calling to wish David Bowie a happy birthday on a radio show. And David Bowie almost cries. He can't believe he's hearing from this guy, Scott Walker. And then you listen to his catalog. You're like, he was with like the Walker brothers in Australia. Just phenomenal work. A little bit of Scott Walker. A song called Only Myself to Blame. I've walked way past midnight. I've driven for days. He's a very eclectic artist in his later, later years of recording. I think the song was called The Man. Google like Scott Walker, The Man. You'll get the song that I was. I was like that made me go, Jesus Christ, who's this guy? It's called The Man. I, it's something that's in the title, I believe. I can't remember the name of it. It's just one of those songs that you get to play. The world's strongest man? No, that's what it says. Scott Walker, the world's strongest man. <laughs> I could be wrong. I don't think it's called that. Well, let's find out. I don't remember the song. Damn it, I'm so mad. You said it's the world's strongest man. I hope a commercial comes out. Writing's up. not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> it really can help. It's a uh, YouTube. This sentence is grammatically correct. If Kyra was hitting like, fucking YouTube. <laughs> this is not it. No, it's a fucking, it's, he was with the Walker Brothers and then he was solo. And like I said, there's the clip of him calling Bowie and Bowie losing his mind uh, on, a, on a radio station. Just like, he literally almost starts crying. I'm looking up the Walker Brothers. Uh, yeah, I got nothing for you. Nothing with man. No problem. I apologize. You made that up. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who this person is. No. Where's my <laughs> record scratch? You know, I'm thinking so. of the uh, governor of Wisconsin. That's who I'm thinking of, the former. <laughs> Are you thinking of the Texas Ranger? It <laughs> could be. <laughs> All right. So I interrupted you. You were on a. Well, I was just going to. on a tear. Agreeing with what you were saying regarding the narrating yes. doesn't even be in there. Because look, I, I mean. I always hate narration. The, the, you don't just like I hate time machine. Yeah, hey, good good time fellas, okay. Good fellas, fine. Yes, you can have it in good fellas. Yes, and never do it again because no <laughs> one no one can do it that good. Uh, do you do you really need a commentary on the Tower of Babel style of filmmaking of Italian spaghetti westerns in a movie that's supposed to be for twenty five year old guys? No, you no, don't. I mean, no. you really don't. But but it doesn't matter to me because that mm-hmm. stuff he loves that fascinates him just like making a television show in the sixties and yeah. going back to one and the, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a way to bring you to that era. And I, and I get it and I understand it. I'm willing to forgive it. You're not. Yeah. Everybody here's, I know well, isn't, here, but here's another thing. When they go to make the spaghetti restaurant re- restaurant, when they, when they go to make a spaghetti <laughs> restaurant, the spaghetti Westerns, the, they don't call the director Sergio Leone. They call him Sergio something else. Yes. He's the second most prolific director. He's oh, not Sergio. He even okay. says that in the narration. He goes, okay, yeah, the well, second I most miss- prolific 
I missed that because I only saw the movie. Pacino once. says it. Schwartz, Schwartz says it. He goes, okay. he's the second most pro- prolific director of Italian Man, westerns. You, you gotta, you gotta really be paying attention to yeah. get that joke. That's a good joke, though. Well, and also, yeah. So he's the second. That's a good he's joke on Leone. He's a different guy. Guys, see it more than once. You'll get yeah. that because that that was bothering me because I didn't get the. Okay. I didn't. I didn't pick up the, on that line. I see. Yeah, and th- and it's also. Um, when he makes the the fourth Italian film, uh, Operazione Dynamite, is directed by Antonio Margheriti, who is a real director named Antonio Margheriti, but is also the name used by one of Brad Pitt's uh, crew in Inglorious Bastards when he's talking to Christoph Waltz in the lobby. When he goes, I am, because they pretend to be an Italian film crew. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the one guy goes, Antonio Margariti. And Waltz makes him say it over and over again. <laughs> and then in this movie, one of the movies is directed by Antonio Margariti. There's a... Uh there's a there's a, something that's telegraphed so heavily for me that I, I hated it when Kurt Russell he's gonna give Rick Dalton he's gonna um is it Rick Dalton who's getting the character Cliff Booth Cliff Booth that's is Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt he's gonna give him a job yes he's gonna give him a job and he goes uh but my wife you know Jenny stay away from her whatever his wife's name was you mm-hmm. know it yeah was it Jenny uh I don't know I know his name's Randy and I don't I don't remember her name it's Zoe Bell yeah, but he says he says, but you, hey, hey, you know my wife. And Pitt goes, yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, steer and clear of her. Yeah, steer clear. So you know she's coming, of course. And I hated that. Why? Because it was so telegraphed. <sighs> All right, it's like don't eat the chocolate cupcakes because there's someone put uh, X lax in them. Okay, well that's Bye, like I what, ate one. It's not that fucking <laughs> stupid. You're so wrong. And it's not like, it's also like with the acid cigarette, when he puts it in the cigarette box, mm-hmm. everybody in the theater thinks that Dalton, Rick Dalton is going to smoke it and some wackiness is going to ensue. Yeah. But it doesn't. He, he no, no, steers no, that, it that way and it goes the other way. Yeah, that was fine. Because I, I, I kind of forgot that they had that. I know he bought it. Yeah. Oh, what we started to talk about was when he picks up the girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. When he picks up, he says that he wants to, he's avoided, he's avoided prison this long. He's not going to go to prison for, for her. Hunting. But so why does he pick her up? I mean, she uh, once she got in the car, maybe he realized how young she was. It, no, he knows how. See, the, for me, back in that era, and then she offers to uh, give him a uh, sorry, folks, give him a blowjob. Yeah, while he drives her to where she's going, which mm-hmm. is the Manson Ranch. Yeah, I feel that back in that era, mm-hmm. he picked her up for that reason. And he would, and it would have paid off. I don't want to see that in this movie. Well, maybe he did, but then when she got in the car, he realized how young she was. See, I think I didn't think the age matters. I don't think the age matters at all. But it did to Cliff Booth because he's a stand-up fucking guy. <laughs> and also, I felt that to be a disingenuous scene. Mm, I I think you're yeah. combing through for a real nitpicky no, shit at that point. No, um, I will tell you that there's a huge flaw in that scene because he stops to pick her up and they're talking. Only and it's only because we live mm-hmm. in L.A. Um, he's on Burbank Boulevard mm-hmm. and he says to her, you just sit here on Burbank Boulevard all the time going to Chatsworth and people keep up. And she's like, yeah, tourists love me. They tell a story about the hippie girl who needed to ride to the cowboy ranch. And then where are they? Uh, they take the on-ramp in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. They're see. not even close to Burbank, but yeah. they, but they're on Burbank when he's talking to her because yeah. Pat's right. uh, a bar is over his shoulder that's on Burbank Boulevard. So they're there on Burbank Boulevard when he's talking to her at the bus stop. And then she says, you're going to go up here and take, and he goes, I, I've been to Spawn Ranch. And then they literally take the 101 mm-hmm. at Hollywood Boulevard by the Hollywood Adventist Church. Mm-hmm which is 10 miles in the other direction. Yeah. Like they wouldn't even be close to that. So it made me laugh. I also feel a lot of the, uh, a lot of the montage of hip, cool LA things weren't hip and cool in 19. Uh, it wasn't a hip. Time. I didn't think it was about hip and cool. It was about neon turning on. It was about twilight. And no, now like when Los they say Ca- Casa Vega, like, I don't think that was the place people went back then. 
it's a legendary spot that's been there forever. Yeah. Now, well, we I mean, know, but we, El Coyote's but, not hip and cool either. Yeah, but it's so been that was another for, one. But he, it's a legendary spot because it's been there forever. But I don't know if it was, it was a legendary spot now. It wasn't then. Well, now you're just, dude, I don't, you're looking for shit not to like. I mean, what's the point of that? I, I, because I'll tell you what, again, this no, gets no, to, as, it, as, it, as, it, as it's unfolding though, I'm like, oh, come on. That's how I was at Which times. is fine, I guess. I, I don't, I don't, I, I prefer, to, I want to enjoy things. I, I don't know why people, <laughs> I want to enjoy but it happens too. all the time now with movies where people look mm-hmm. at it and go, oh man, you know what? Spider-Man right. wouldn't have that fucking web and he wouldn't have a t- well, textbook. I don't give a fuck. But it's the thing a fucking is, movie made by a filmmaker. But the thing is when, when you, and this has happened to you before, when every, every review tells you that something is this, and then you go in expecting something that's going to be brilliant. Well, the trailers sold this as a fucking romp, romping fucking because yeah. the quick cuts in the trailer yeah. make you think it's going to be an action-packed story with the Mon- with the Manson family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's it's a that's it, and that's why I, upon the second viewing is when I went oh because I didn't have expectations mm-hmm. the first time I saw it I had expectations and I did walk out a little beleaguered I was like. Jesus, he needs an editor now, and all these things. But then the second time I saw it, I go, no, I know what this is yeah. now. And you have to remember as we're talking, we were more on the same page after we had both only seen it one time. Well, I texted you. I didn't want to talk right, about right. it until, yeah. And then I saw But then it. we, you've seen it three more times. So right. I, I haven't had the experience that you've had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe if I saw it again, some of the things I'm talking about right now would be would be smoothed over a little bit more. You know what I'm and, saying? And I don't mean to be, you know, a grouch. I, I just, I, I literally, you come people, into my house and be grouchy. <laughs> but I mean, literally, you and I, like I said, my um, my brother loved it, which was great. But mm-hmm. other people that I know, and just, and just seeing, it's a real polarizing film. And in the divisive is the word I love. And and people are just like, I hate that. That would never happen. Or you shouldn't do this. And I'm like, I. So you write a movie, you write something right, and right, make right. it your I, way. I do agree and, with that. And I don't mean it, I'm not shitting on you as an artist or no, no, as, no, no, even no. as a performer. An artist. You know what I mean? You're a writer, you've written <laughs> stuff, don't fucking make but you, fun. But you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, when, uh, no, I'm, 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 uh, I'm amazed if a- a- anything comes to the screen. And he can, and look, he's earned the right to do this. Hollywood. Uh, Thank uh, you. Yeah, he's, I mean, yeah. The um, How many guys can do this now, Pat? The serial rapist Harvey Weinstein has allowed him to do this. Um... <laughs> No, the he. This isn't a Weinstein movie. No, I know. I'm saying without fucking Weinstein. No, I'm saying I'm saying Weinstein allowed him to do whatever he wanted to do for all those years until because, now because he sal- earned it with right. Pulp Fiction. He earned it with because oh, dogs got him whatever, and then he made Pulp Fiction, and that wrote his fucking ticket. And then, but I mean, but again, you know what? I'm throwing that out there because I don't like Harvey Weinstein. But what I'm saying is, um, so now you you're never gonna pull him back because um, no one's ever because he's gonna go. I well, then I won't make a movie for good. You. You know Stop I mean? pulling people back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's like I, I'm, I'm, and again, it's my own headspace too. It's, but it's, here's another thing: when people write movies now and they want to do something, and you're like, you can't do that, and people go, "Well, Tarantino does." It's like, yeah, but you're not Tarantino, right? You know you, what I mean? You, you know, and and like, there are exciting people making movies now. Like, I like if Jordan Peele made a two and a two hour and forty five minute movie, an indulgent movie about care. a topic he loved, I'd go crazy. I don't I, mind a long movie, but but if you're a genius, let them do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jordan Peele's a fucking genius. Let him, let him, right now he should be able to write his ticket and go, I'm going to do this. And they just go, oh, I think he cool can. and get out of his way. I think he can. You I know, think, I, I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, he nominated for Academy Award immediately. He had course. to shop, he shopped he around won. looking Didn't for he investors. Win? Uh, Didn't Jordan he win Peele? For, for Get yeah. Out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tarantino, you know, granted, Look, they all have to pay fealty. There are all masters you must answer yeah. to. The Chinese were involved in funding this film. You know, he wound up going through distribution with with Sony. 
Um, and they all courted him. You know, Warner Brothers painted mm-hmm. their lot to be 1969 when he went there to meet with them because he lost the, you know, Miramax is gone. How is so he the, needed a distribution How can house. one Hollywood studio now not finance their own movie? Because it depends. I mean, because you, you churn out garbage that drains you. I, look, I, I don't even pretend to know about Hollywood accounting. Right. I don't. But let's think of it. Let's think of it. Um, you, have your, you have your stars. Mm-hmm. And it's all shot here. Shot right in his backyard. What? Uh, Once upon a time. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, but you got to figure that that Pitt, Robbie, and and DiCaprio off the top. That's fifty million. Easy. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easy. And then Tarantino is going to get his. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he's probably making as much as them. Yeah. So that's seventy million just mm-hmm. in your top four talents. And Connie and Stevens worked for free. They wouldn't even say it was her. Joey Heatherton got nothing. <laughs> Heatherton uh, not even in. <laughs> so and then. It's it's locations, it's Hollywood, and, and musical clearance. I'm sure costs them something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know what this costs to make. Probably, you know, but but either way, he still. Let me see if Miramax I can find used out. to fund. I mean, and also right now, because I checked box office last night, I think it's overall for 2000. Right, but budgets budgets not crazy. Ninety to ninety six million. Right, and you figure seventy is to the talent. So are you saying? Are you saying? Look, yeah, it says production company Columbia Pictures. Bone a film group. How was how there so many? I, I used to think that one, and then Sony distributes it. But the because I they, I don't all, know how it works. I, that's how I, I feel about works. it. I, I don't know how it works, but I also, I don't care. I just want artists to do art, mm-hmm. and I think he's a fucking artist. And you want to give him as much rope as possible. Right. Leave, just leave him alone. Like you know, it's like Scorsese. Any of these guys, like I said, Jordan mm-hmm. Peele, any of these people, Guillermo del Toro. Just go. Yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. What, what do you need? Yeah, here you go. And until no, you those make are, those are the people that get yeah they until get you make your Heaven's want. Gate then then you can do or uh, is that what's what's the Chimino movie Heaven's Gate Heaven's Gate and until you make that then you're fine and nobody's got to put any checks on yeah. you until you if you deliver because right now Tarantino if you look I think it's number thirteen for the year at the box office it's made a hundred and this says two hundred eighty four million. Tarantino that's what it says here on Wikipedia that might be worldwide and also that might be a crazy mistake. <laughs> but I mean, because I mean, I saw last night it's made like 115 million in America. That's all I saw was at Box Office Mojo. Yeah. And it's like number 13 overall. A quarter of that was year. from you. <laughs> Probably. But did that's you go, did so. You, did you go full price every time you saw it? No, I saw it on my free birthday ticket once. All right. But I paid full price the other three times. All right. That's fine. Um, but but it's, it's the. If you want to extrapolate it this way, it's the most original. And, and non-sequel, non-cartoon, non-kids movie in the top 15 of movies oh, made sure. in America this year. I, I, great. So let yeah, that, so that sure. guy has proven he will deliver and he can make money for you. So let him do whatever the fuck he wants all the time. And granted, he's even said he might make one more movie and bail. I do the way I see him doing it. I, he makes one more for sure, one more theatrical release, probably within the next five years. And then I think he just goes to Netflix and gets a hundred million dollars to do whatever he wants all the time. I don't know. <laughs> where stre- I don't know where streaming will be in five years, but I think that you know Netflix or Disney, one of those people is going to get an exclusive contract for someone like Tarantino. And go, you yeah. just create content for us. You're our Walt Disney, and here's a hundred million a year. You know what I mean? It's just, I, it's, they, they, that's just the way it's going. Yeah, they're doing it for a lot of people. And, for, and him. for him, he might just go, yeah, because I'm tired of getting fucked with. I don't want to go to dinner with Chinese investors. I don't want to go to dinner with these people. and get, you know, I don't see why he has to go to dinner with Chinese investors. If you go to the New Beverly website, the theater he owns here, mm-hmm. uh, there's a blog where they do film critiques. They mm-hmm. write about stuff. And he writes blogs taking, t- describing Under films. Under a pseudonym? From, uh, no, it's his name. And he writes them upon films that they're, because he chooses the playlist every month. And like he had an article on Viva Zapata, okay, and and all these these films mm-hmm. that he's programmed, yeah, yeah. and he will write th- these 
critiques that I could read for days. I mean, just make a book of his film critiques and the way he analyzes and looks and describes film. Mm-hmm. I could, I, if he wasn't him, him, I could see him just fucking going, you know what, fuck this, and moving to Paris right. and just writing film commentary the rest of his life. He's got the I money mean, to do that now. Yeah, and why not? Yeah. He's so good at it. He's just... I feel he's a singular, unique talent, and he should be allowed to do whatever he wants to do. Well, yeah, him and uh, and Wes Anderson and Paul Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson, dude. All I, these guys. Yeah. I mean, again, I saw Phantom Thread. I, I don't know if I know anybody else who liked it, and I loved it. <laughs> uh, April Richardson liked it. Okay. I loved it. I just sat in the theater by myself and watched it, and I went, just the achievement to and he should be allowed to make a movie about a, a, I, a clothing designer I in was Paris. Waiting I, the whole time for a phantom, and there was none. <laughs> you, you were sitting there wondering, yeah. oh no, I, I know this guy. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis would never order a rash of bacon, <laughs> and he wouldn't have that big of a breakfast. I don't think he would. He looks like <laughs> he takes care of his body. All right, here we go. This is Buffy St. Marie, the circle game. And this this song plays while Sharon Tate is driving, and you fall in love with her instantly. It's just Yes. Another filmmaker might have used uh, Joni Mitchell, a Joni Mitchell song, but he digs a little deeper and goes with Buffy St. Marie. This sounds like 1969. Yep. It sounds like AM radio. And Sharon Tate picks up a hitchhiker and then gives her a hug when she drops her off. Yes. Because she's an angel on earth. Yes. She's very nice. Pacino take you out of the movie though when you uh, when you see him and like because uh, it's not a, it's not a big part. Well, the first time I saw it, I went, he doesn't need to be in there. And I'll be honest with you, if um, if there's there's a, Michael Parks was an actor who's been in all of like a bunch of Tarantino mm-hmm. movies. He's the sheriff in in um, Christ. Now I can't even remember. He's in he's in Grindhouse, I believe. He's the sheriff who comes and he interviews uh, Rose McGowan after she's been fucking blasted in the car. Not no, mm-hmm. not Rose McGowan. She dies. It's uh, the other the other woman, Rosal- Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, whatever. He's been he's been in all of Tarantino. He's in Kill Bill. He plays a Mexican pimp. He plays a sheriff in that one. It's the same sheriff from the other movie. He would have been that part, I think. Yeah, just like Burt Reynolds was supposed to be the Bruce Dern part, and then he died. No. Um, and I and if you want to talk about that, that definitely doesn't pay off. I mean, I, I there's no doubt that that for me is the clunker scene of the entire movie. The Bruce Dern stuff. Yes. Yeah, me too. Because you can't let an 80 year old man. But Dakota improvise. Fanning's great. She's great. Well, yeah. that whole scene is great. The whole build up to it because it uses this ominous music from a 70s TV show, and he's walking down the hallway, and it's very yeah. psycho. It's very what are we going to get yep. into here? And then it pays off with nothing. No. It literally until and then he leaves, but we get the epilogue where he beats yeah. the shit out of the guy who fucking stuck a knife in his tire, <laughs> which is great. You still yes. get your payoff, but yeah. it just does not pay off in the house. Dakota Fanning is a squeaky from. Yeah. Um. I. Uh, but yeah. So Pacino doesn't take me out, but he doesn't need to be in it. No. And um. And I don't, I don't need that. I don't need, I don't need Lena Dunham. I don't, truthfully, I don't even know who Lena Dunham is. I don't find out until after the movie who she played. Yeah. I, as soon as I saw her, I'm like, is that Lena Dunham? <sighs> yeah. I don't know anything about her except her social media stuff. And so for me, she's a non-entity. Um, what, uh, who's the, who's the, um, who's the, uh, Kevin Smith's daughters in the movie? Yeah, and so, well, so is Uma's daughter. Yeah, Harley because, Quinn Smith. Yes, and, and Uma's daughter is in it as well, who wound up in Stranger Things 3. And now he's talking about making Kill Bill 3 and using Uma's daughter. 
But because he, he says anything at a press conference that people will fucking report. <laughs> he literally, I would he just, love Kill Bill He just 3. keeps talking. I don't feel like he'll end his career. If he does one more movie, I don't feel like it would be Kill Bill 3. Yes, just like he's going to. But gonna, I would he, love it. He's supposedly going to write the Star Trek too. I mean, I'll believe any of this shit when it happens. <laughs> but that's, but he's very David Lee Roth, yeah. very, very much uh carnival barker very you know because he 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 uses his internal thought pattern and he just spews it out there i didn't see rebecca gayhart in the film where is she she's pitt's wife she's pitt's wife on the boat that's it yep well we don't see her even see her face we just got well she's got a big blousy hat on and giant sunglasses oh and then we see then you see her ass and you go hey that's rebecca gayhart oh that's (laughs) okay that's wild yeah because uh, and I will tell you this, all right, just just really sure. A lot of people were mad that Emil Hirsch was in the movie because why people are because he he physically attacked a woman at a press junket and he oh I, I didn't know that okay he's might he had a bad incident in his life I don't, I don't know if he's a bad guy or not but when yeah. you hear the story it's fucked okay and yeah fuck him yeah. it sucks but Rebecca Gayhart killed somebody. Yeah, and I don't hear a lot of people going. Rebecca Gayhart shouldn't be in this fucking movie. I mean, it's like everybody views everything through these weird prisms. But if Rebecca Gayhart was uh, Sharon Tate, you would have heard it. Uh, I fine, but I, I, I just—it's funny to me that people pick their battles. Do people? I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm of the opinion that you do stop hiring people that are shit bags. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. I mean, but we, but we both know that that's not realistic. If you're talented enough, you can get a job, even if you're a shitbag, you whether will. it's sports yeah, you or will. movies but or politics. But there's only someone just as talented. There's, someone just, you there's would someone just as talented as Emil Hirsch. You would hope, but Emil Hirsch looks like J.C. Bring. But I don't know what J.C. Bring looks like. Neither do I. <laughs> so. but, but, I but look, man, again, I, <laughs> I, I, this, is, this is an argument I don't want to have with anybody ever because I just go, <laughs> okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. I'm not going to defend Emil Hirsch. He's no. a fucking shitbag. He did a yeah. terrible thing. Yeah. So fuck him. But at the same time, does that mean he then goes to an island and he's never allowed to do anything ever again? Same thing with Louis C.K. Hey, man, fuck that guy. Fuck him. Fuck mm. him. Ruining careers yeah. and jerking off. All yeah. that fucking shit is terrible. Yeah. But if but he he should still be able to do comedy. And if people want to pay to see him, they can. And you don't have and to. And if he walks in the club to do a guest set and he you don't want to be the there, out. I would yeah leave. I know it's it's such. What a about weird yell time. at him when he walks in and you go, "Oh, here's this fucking guy that jerks in front of women." Why? Does that got anything to do with you? You really? I mean, if that's a fight you want to have, then go ahead. But I almost uh, killed a guy in a plane over the fucking weekend. I mean, I, I, I get it. <laughs> you lose your fucking mind, and it happens, man. Look, when when uh, when I see some news report where the judge was lenient on a on a on a, on a college kid that raped a girl. Yep. Yeah, I I I, I want to shame that kid whenever I see him. Of Don't course. hire him. Don't. Mm-hmm. Let him stay in mommy and daddy's garage for the rest of his life. Yes, but that dude has doesn't have the fame or the power or the fan base that Louis C.K. does. If you get in Louis yeah. C.K.'s face and you start yelling at him, um, there's going to be 10 guys who come over and want to fight you or push you down and yeah. drag you out of the club. Yeah. I mean, if, if that's how you want to live your life, yeah. that's fine. I mean, like Bill Cosby's a fucking monster. If yeah. he ever showed up in a place where I was, I would in my brain, I'd want to go, that guy's a fucking monster. I need to get he out of here or go show up, to up him. if you were in prison. Well, who knows? We'll see what happens in the next five years if they get him the fuck out of there with some, hey, he's blind and he's sad. Or you go in. Uh, <laughs> I might. Maybe I do it that way. <laughs> That's what I thought you were saying. We'll see what happens in the next five years. Well, I'm like, again, Mike's, almost, Mike's gonna go to what happened on the plane real quick. Can you can you thumbnail it? It's a lot. I know you can't. Just the guy was being a cunt. I was in Alaska and he was being a That's t- a phrase. <laughs> What? You should call your next comedy album Thumbnail It because you can't. <laughs> That's something you can't do. This, um, I was on Alaska Airlines and when the flight was booked, mm-hmm. a buddy of mine booked it and he didn't pay the extra $20 we can pick your own seat. Yeah. So they assign you your seat at the gate. 
Mm-hmm. So everybody boards the plane. There's only 15 of us who get the fucking shit seats. Yeah. And I had asked the woman, I said, hey, look, I asked the waitress, can I, is there any way I can get a window seat? Because I'm going to make, if I'm in the middle, it makes three people miserable, yeah. not just one. And uh, she was like, I can't help you. She was very stoic. I can't do mm-hmm. it. I can't do it. So then it just came up in the lottery that I happened to get a window seat on the right hand side of the plane, which is my preferred seat. Yes. I thanked her profusely. And there was a little guy. you're a big dude. You can lean into the window a little bit. I I apologize to the person in the middle seat. I go, look, I will do everything I can to be as small as I can. And people are usually very cool and accommodating. Yeah. Um, This one dude was just If you acknowledge you're big. Well, you you try to take the edge off it and you do your best. And And also, I'm landlocked. If I sit in the seat, I'm not going to get go to the bathroom. I don't need to get shit out of the overhead. It's like, I'm there. So this dude got in and uh, he was uh, in the lobby. He was mouthy. And this is a shitty fucking flight. I can't believe this fucking flight is so shitty. And oh, and then she gives him 30. And who's he talking to? Nobody. He's just, he's he making, is. we're all miserable, but he's yeah. making sure we all know he's miserable. Right. And he's walking around and then she gives him 32E. I hate a guy like that too. Oh, it's terrible. I fucking hate it. So he gets 32E and she's like, he goes, is this middle seat? And she goes, yes, it is. And he goes, of course it is. Cause you want to, you want to fucking ruin my flight home too. You ruin this experience and this whole fucking, he's just an, a terrible person. You just want to go shut up. Well, you do want to do yeah. that, but I'm like, you just roll your eyes and put your earbuds in until. You get on the plane and that guy's directly behind you. Ugh. And uh, we're, we're boarding the plane. And uh, he's also, by the way, he's 5'6", if he's mm-hmm. a fucking inch. Well, there's the problem. Uh, right. So that's the whole deal. He's got gray hair. Small he's not, guy, big mouth. Never been in a fight. Never had a trimming in his entire fucking life mm-hmm. and needed to get fucking jacked. Never had a what? Trimming. Okay. It's when you, it gets tuned up when you hit a guy, when he gets beat up. So, all, right. all right. I didn't know all the terms that were going to come out sure. from Spanky and our gang. Take, uh, my, short. take my watch off to tell you this story. So <laughs> people still reference that, by the way. Of course um, they do. So I get, so he's behind me. What's the other thing you say? Uh, you blow dry him? Yeah, you've, uh, you can, yeah, you blow dry a guy. Or you, uh, What's that mean? It's just when you're right in his face and you're just fucking uh, like yelling at a guy. See, when I go to a brothel, I pay extra for blow drying. <laughs> really? Or when you go hockey fighting a guy. Uh, <laughs> it's when you just pull his shirt over his head and you just start waving yeah. with your right I know hand. what that is. I love that. <laughs> All right. And then there was, of course, and pie face a guy is not, that's nothing I invented. <laughs> and pie, that, was, it's, that was what a pie face is. Uh, it's like, remember old school when you would put a pie in a guy's face? <laughs> yes, yes, I, yes. You have no pie. It's just your hand. You just, just fucking mush it in the mouth. pie face with yeah. your hand? yeah, yeah. That's okay. embarrassing. I, I, yeah. I slapped the guy. Get, you might get your hand cut on some teeth. You could. I slapped the guy in a fight one time, and it was awesome. It was like to made the well, loudest fucking more, noise. And that's more because um, that's emasculating as fuck. Yes, that's what I was going to say. His and glasses fucking flew. Yeah, off. and he's like, "What the?" F-? It was great. Did he come? Did he come at you then? No, he fucking spun to the ground. Yeah, and then I was hustled into another room because <laughs> <laughs> I was playing a gig and fucking with, with in, Bill Cosby. Yeah, exactly. Okay, go. I interrupted. I apologize. I like, so I, I like the fun. So he's behind me, and we're getting on the plane, and uh, the woman, the the waitress. Stewardess Jake, she goes, hey, I'm just warning you. She goes, uh, you'll probably have to check your bag. She goes, where are you sitting? I said, I'm in 32F. And she goes, all right, well, if you get back, you can try it, but or you can just give me the bag now and okay. I'll check it. I said, I'm going to take a shot. So he's behind me in 30, and she, he, she goes, where are you? 32E. And he goes, you know what? I'm not even going to deal with it. Here, take my bag. And so she starts to take his bag. And I go, you're 32E? He goes, yeah. I go, look, man, I get to apologize to you. I am, I am right next to you. And I'm sorry. I'm a big guy. I will do my best to be mm-hmm. small. He goes, of course you are, because it's another fucking shitty flight, and it's ruined. Oh. And I said, okay, cool. I said, well, I'm just letting you know that that's, that's going to be a thing, and we'll do our best. Christ. And he goes, yeah, you're going to do your fucking best. Like, what does that mean? You're just going to fucking just, you're going to crush me the whole fucking flight? And Did now, he say that? Yes. You're going to crush me the whole flight? And we're in first class, and I turn around, and now I turn around, because now I'm facing, you know, Wait I'm a facing. Minute. you're in first class? We're walking through first oh, class. Okay. And, uh, and that's what I'm saying, is I'm facing the back of the plane. Yeah. And he's behind me. Yeah. And I'm talking kind of to him over my shoulder. Yeah. Well, now I turn around. <laughs> and now I'm facing him. Oh no! And I said, "Hey, you need to shut the fuck up, dude. What is your problem?" 
And all the first class is like, oh my God, oh what my God. I? And he just goes, we, we, go. didn't, we didn't pay for this. Yeah. And he goes, will you go, please? Will you go, please? And I go, no, I won't fucking go. You need to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. You're talking shit about me here. Did and you really I don't throw fucking... down fucks like this? Yes, it was bad. It okay. was not good. Because I, because no. again, it's part being like, a, you're trying to intimidate him into shutting the fuck up. Here's like, what can happen. You can get, people can start clapping for yes. you or they can go, oh, look at this asshole. Yes. Or they can, they, you're the asshole. But also I have the advantage of the entire plane hating this guy for right, his behavior right. outside. Yes. So, uh, so I, I go, you need to shut the fuck up. Seriously. And he goes, go. Will you just go? Will you go? Will you go? I go, I'm not going to go. You Does need to calm the fuck down. Does he seem intimidated at all? No, because he knows I won't hit him on a plane. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. Guys never think you'll fucking hit them. And I'm, I'm seriously contemplating hitting him. I'm not joking. Just to, te- just to teach him a fucking lesson yeah. to just grab him by the shirt or something and go, you, mm-hmm. you, I'm a guy you need to be fucking scared of. <laughs> And I'm, I'm not, I'm really not. But at that moment, yeah. just, sh- so I fucking, I take a breath and I go, you need to stop this on a plane. And we go to the back. You said we, that to yourself. In my brain. Internal head. And as I'm walking to the back of the plane, uh, there's tons of fucking cabbage, cabin space. There's tons of places for your luggage. Yeah. So I, I, I grab my bag and he just goes, oh, and of course, there's plenty of places to put your fucking bag. And I just checked my bag. Please tell me you put them up in the luggage thing and shut it. And uh, I, I wanted to, <laughs> but instead I just turned around and went, <laughs> I just laughed and I kept walking. Yeah. And then as I'm walking, I'm walking super slow and he's going, will you go, please? Will you go? Will you go? And then I walk. I can't even believe he's that mouth. And then I stopped short and he like, he bumped into me and I said, excuse me, sir. Uh, he's like, oh, I can't believe you're fucking doing that. He's like, and just an asshole. <laughs> So then I take my bag and I put it up in the thing and then I make him wait while I get my earbuds and stuff out. And then I sit in the back, it's the back row of the plane, Mm -hmm. 32F. And I get in and then he's not, he stops and he's looking for a place to get his luggage. He tries to go back and get his stuff. They already checked it. And then he walks back and I'm done with him. I'm putting my earbuds in and he goes to get into the row and he goes, so how's this going to be? Are you just going to like fucking just give me half the seat the entire fucking flight? Like, how are you going to do this? I go, well, you want to sit on my lap? And he goes, you know, I just, I, I knew you were going to do it. You're going to take both seats. You know, you should pay an extra fare if you're this big of a, and I stood up and I said, Hey motherfucker, you need to fucking stop. Or I'm going to put your head through the back of this fucking plane. <laughs> and I'm standing over him now and he's sitting down yeah, yeah. and everybody can hear me. Everybody turns right. around and looks at me and I go, and I look at, and he looks at me and he goes, will you sit down and calm down? I go, I'm not going to fucking calm down. You're going to jaw at me the entire fucking flight. You're going to fucking stare at me and think, you're gonna, and I, I go off and I'm fuck yeah. bomb. You cunt motherfucker. I mean, I'm letting him have it. How did and you I'm not standing get over off that flight? Dude, everybody does. You know what's wild is you always see those videos. Everybody's like, how come somebody didn't do something on a plane when something happens? Nobody wanted to look at me. Like no. every, because again, I'm 6'2", 340. Yeah. And, and I'm over him. Like, and I, I, I wanted to fucking murder him. And, I'm, and then they do this. He, I'm sure you run into this. Maybe you haven't. <laughs> um, he does this thing where when the, the fucking waitresses come over, he immediately goes, waitresses? The steward, whatever the fuck. The, the chicks, the plane. Uh, the sky chicks. waitress. You made it worse God. when the waitresses come over. Uh, the chicks. The sky waitresses, whatever. The stewardesses. <laughs> so then he, uh, he gets to pull that thing where he sits in his seat no, and he goes, oh my God. he goes, ma'am, I, I don't, uh, is there a way you can move him? Because I don't feel safe right now on this. Oh, boy. Like he tries to he's play a tough the, guy and now until he's, they now show he's a baby. Up. And, uh, and I'm standing over, I go, don't fucking try to pull this shit. Everybody fucking heard you outside. Everybody heard you on the fucking plane and I'm, they're there now. Yeah. And then I look and I, and I look at the woman and she goes, all right, we're going to have to move you. 
You and, or him? Well, I don't know. And I look okay. up and I go, he started this shit out at the fucking gate agent. He was on her. And then she goes, sir, sir, calm down, calm down. And then did you she calm goes, down for her? Of course. I, I, I'm always good at that. I, yeah. It happened. I was in LA. I was in Chicago once. And uh, you calm down for the chicks. Outside of a Springsteen show once, uh, a guy, he literally threw cellophane at my buddy's car and my buddy goes, get him. So I jumped out of the car. What do you mean cellophane? He literally had a pack. You, you know how you do that? You take that top of a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, they were just walking slowly in front of our car, and this guy took the top off a pack of cigarettes. That that with the and yeah, well, that doesn't. Hurt and the my car. buddy was just like, "Come on, man!" And he honked at him, and the guy turned around and threw the cellophane. It actually floated like a like a leaf. <laughs> and my buddy goes, "Get him!" So I jumped out of the fucking car and I blasted this fucking guy and I knocked him on the ground for cellophane. And we're rolling, and then the cops come and they pick me up and I turn around, and I see a badge, and I immediately go, "I'm sorry," and I like put my hands at my yeah. side. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I'm good at calming down when shit happens, when when you're supposed to right. calm down. All right. And so she looks at me and I go, "I go, hey, this motherfucker started out by the fucking gate." And he's been a shitbag the entire fucking time. And she goes, sir, not you. You. We're going to move you. Come with me. Good. And so she took him. And he had to sit in like the fucking rumble seat or whatever the fuck the entire flight. <laughs> I don't even know. Some They went and found an airline employee who then sat with me. And I and then I literally stood up and I go, and there's kids in the, the row in front of me, too, yeah. young children. And I'm like, hey, everybody, I apologize. Uh, and, and they were like, don't be, we saw that guy. Oh, like okay, everybody, good, thank good, God, everybody's good. on my side, even the dad of kids. And he goes, Hey man, if they hadn't accommodated you, we would have switched with you. Don't, it's not your fault. Sorry. Right, that's good. So, so that then just, you were fine. Uh, yeah. And I put it, I was embarrassed though. Nobody wants to act like that. I mean, I haven't, I've been doing good about not getting mad. Did but, you say champagne for everyone? <laughs> I did. I bought a drink for everybody, but <laughs> they brought the card out. I went bananas <laughs> and I've been good about not wow. that, that shit not happening, but it was just, oh, he just man, wouldn't that's, stop. That's a great story. And the thing I hate now is the guys who do it thinking you won't do anything. Yeah. You know, it happened when I used to bounce. Guys would just start like, get, 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 get. And you just be like, you just grab him by the fucking throat and drag him out of the club. They'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was just, I'm just trying to explain. And he's like, no, no, you're not trying to explain. You're disrespecting me the entire fucking time. Let me, let me play a couple songs and I'll tell you my airplane story. Uh, it's a classic. Everyone loves it. It's from a movie called The Graduate, but it's also in this movie. This is Mrs. Robinson. got to be your most expensive song to buy probably but he had to have it because yeah. i read it dominated am radio that year yep it won the grammy for record of the year gotta have it yeah i gotta pay the bills mike sorry <laughs> four men on a search each man different Living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno, the new thing in colognes for men. In all the world, there are only four basic masculine scents. Here's the best of each. Numero uno gold. Numero uno green. Numero uno red. Numero uno silver. Four numero uno colognes, all different, all wild. Find yours with the searcher kit, a jigger of each. The set. searcher kit. Then get a full size bottle of the one that makes it for you. Makes it for you. A jigger. 
<laughs> Jigger. Uh, I, I love that because there's only four. I, we all know there's only four masculine scents right. in the world, and, yeah. and they've got them all covered there. What are they? Uh, well, I, I only know them to be red and, and green and silver and gold. <laughs> but uh, you got to think what, like w- musk yeah. is going to be one of them. I don't know, yeah, sandalwood. Yeah, 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 exactly. That kind of nonsense. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I dug that commercial is so beautiful. And I think it just, again, it's so of its time. Um, and I wanted to say, just referencing Mrs. Robinson, yeah. that movie belongs to The Graduate, that song. That song belongs right. to The Graduate forever. So you hear it, it immediately invokes The Graduate right. to me. Um, so ballsy for him to take it, but you had to take yeah. You have to use it because it's the song yeah, of the summer. Yeah, because it's of the time. Yeah. So here's my airplane story. International flight. With Pilar, I think we're flying, we're flying back from England. Okay. And uh, my wife doesn't want confrontation, doesn't like it, doesn't even like to hear. If I tell her I was in confrontation uh, 15 years ago or before I met her, doesn't like to hear any, doesn't <laughs> like it, doesn't want to hear the story, doesn't care for it. Uh, so we get on the international flight and um, the middle row is like long, it's like five, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm on the end and then Pilar and then three other people. And, you know, so we just take off. And I recline my seat because it's an international flight. Yes. So I'm going to get comfortable. I recline my seat the whole way back because you can do that. What's an international flight? I will, I will allow yeah. it. Yes. The guy behind me, he's from the UK and they're obviously coming here for vacation. He's with his whole family in the whole five rows. Mm. And he's, uh, looks like, he looks, definitely looks like a tough guy. Um, you know, he's a scary looking dude. He leans around and he goes... Seriously? And I go, I go, excuse me? He goes, he's like, seriously, you're going to recline the whole way? I go, well, it's a, you know, it's a 12-hour flight. So and I go, and you can recline too. I go, everyone can recline. And uh, he, he goes, okay. So um, uh, just keeps kicking my chair. On purpose. Of course. Kicking my chair. What a dick. And then, and then pushes me up a couple clicks yeah and i'm just like i'm fucking so pissed you yeah. know what i mean and i'm like nope and i the whole way back sure and then uh and then he keeps doing it and i go are you gonna do that for 12 hours and he doesn't say anything so then i have to get up and go to the restroom when i come back my seat's completely pushed yeah the whole way up and you i said you paid for this fucking yes seat. I, I yes mean, it drives me crazy and i sit down and pilar she goes What's wrong? And I, I go, fucking guy behind me. And I'm just going through the whole thing. She's like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. And I was like, I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can ignore it. And she's like, please, for me, don't cause a scene. Don't. And so, and you know me. Yeah. Uh, you don't care about causing a scene. And I, and I didn't. Oh. And I've regretted it. Ever. Yeah. Like, I wish I would have just gone to the flight attendant. Yeah. And brought her back and said, am I allowed to recline my seat to the full position? Because this guy keeps pushing my seat. I should have done that, I, yes. and I did nothing. And I've, I have regretted that my whole entire life because I can't get that back. Yes. And that guy won. Yep. He won because yep. I didn't, you know, he won. I, I love your wife. And, like, when we get to the airport and, I see, <laughs> and we were at baggage and I see him and his family collect their luggage and go, yeah. I go, I would love to follow him and kill him. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm just sure. like, that's how you feel. You're just like, I would like to kill him. But he, and, but he would have beaten, he would kick my ass. He was like a big tough guy. Yeah. But not on, on the plane, but not on the plane. No. If I would have, if I would have said, but then I'm kind of being a baby too, but I should have gone through the correct channels to get, if, if I'm not allowed to cause a scene, Yeah. but I didn't do anything. And it really bugs me. 
Sure. Well, I mean, I, there's, there's a dude I should have fought in high school that I wish I could fight now. I'm not even joking. I would fight him now if I could. You just, you can't, you can't let that stuff linger because yeah. it's poison. Yeah. And I love, again, I love your wife. I love Pilar. She's yeah. wrong there. She's, she can't, you gotta. <laughs> but I, she said, do it for me. And so which, you and you're it. right and to do it for her. Yeah, I'm like, but, as, right. but as I hate to be this. As a man. As a man. You you're feel just like, like you should have said something. Yeah, because oh, he, he basically, me. he owned you and, and all that shit. Yeah, and he made you do all this stuff. And he, he. He made you. St- I, I, I one time I had a guy I was uh, yeah. whatever, and I looked at him and I go, "Come outside and fucking fight I me!" I kowtowed right now. to him. Yeah, yeah. I told. I when at, I'm right. Yes, there was a guy. I just said, "Come fight me!" Right in the fucking yard. Right now, we're fucking mm-hmm. going. Let's do this right now. And I, I, I stood up and I'm like, I'm holding the door open. I go, "Go, go outside!" And we are going round and fucking round. And he wouldn't fight me. He wouldn't come outside. And in my brain, I'm like, for the rest of his life, he's got to remember that moment mm-hmm. when he had an opportunity because who knows what yeah. happens outside. Yeah. Uh, but, but you have to, you have to fight at that point. You have to same thing. I destroyed a guy's car one time. Like I was just kneeing his door and punching it in traffic. We should write my story as a horror film. Like when they land in LA and this guy's on a happy vacation with his family and he thinks that he's won because, oh, yeah. you know, and then, and then the guy, maybe the guy's not with his wife. Maybe he's just, or maybe he is with his wife and his wife doesn't know just how crazy he is. Yeah. And so he finds this guy and Love his it. family and ruins their vacation Mm-hmm. to the nth degree yeah and then flies back on the same flight to england with him when he goes up doesn't kill him he just bothers him the entire fucking time and then flies back to england and then like then the crazy shit starts happening then <laughs> once you get back to the uk yeah you could do that that's fucking gorgeous yeah, that'd be a good movie but you can't i know exactly how you're because you, in your brain now like you said he won yeah you hate definitely. it and as a grown-up you're supposed to go who cares right but but if i would have had like that dude if i had him sitting next to me on the flight the whole time just going and talking shit about me and <laughs> whatever the elbow yeah, in right neck. i mean that's the thing it's you you don't don't talk shit and do stuff like that unless you're ready don't do dumb shit if you don't want dumb shit to happen to you that's yeah. that's just it it's just and it's a the world is fucking changing well <laughs> mike that brings us to a song called bring a little lovin <laughs> which is what we need to do in the world this is by los bravos you might know them best from their hit Black is black. I Same want my album. baby back. Yeah. And this is on uh, this is on the trailer too, a big uh, part of the trailer. Goes on. KHJ Los Angeles. This song better than Black is Black. I don't know because I, I love Rick Springfield's version of Black because is it's Black. faster. Yeah. The record buying public disagrees as Black is Black went to number four and this went to number fifty-one. Yes, but that but for me that song's a better song because their Black their version of Black yep. is Black is very slow. Ding 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 ding. You're right. Ding ding ding. Yeah. Do do. And that song's a jam. Okay. Next up, we have "Suddenly" slash "Heaven Sent" advertisement. I think this. I think the "Suddenly" song might. I love this song. Right in. Hold on. You're an imp wearing angels' wings. Great line. And I love the heavens with the end. Ha <laughs> ha! 
Heaven Sent Fragrance by Helena Rubenstein. Spray it on and heavenly things happen. Heaven Sent. Splash in it. Laugh in it. Live in it. Love in it. You'll find Heaven Sent Fragrance at Helena Rubenstein counters everywhere. I'm going to let the next three things play in a row, and we can chat over them. I love the Heaven Sent. (laughs) Then I'll tell you about the time I really lost my cool. You know this story. This is called yeah, Next Step Vagabond High School Reunion. So good. The Vagabond, attention now. The Vagabond <laughs> class of 1958. And he gets misogyny in here. It's Ken We'll hold a reunion June 22nd. Oh, but you'll get to look at everybody's uh, hair thinning and see if uh, if Jane really was a victim of baby fat. We'll find out for sure now. Oh, God. For information <laughs> and reservations, you phone 478-2370. Los Angeles weather. Low overcast tonight, low around 58. Mostly sunny tomorrow with a high near 68. No smog beaches now. 62 Valley 66 downtown. 65 Orings County 66. Don't dare stare at the illustrated man. There are fearful pictures on his skin, but the most fearful thing <laughs> is tattooed on his soul. The Grindhouse man, Sting. Ray yep. Bradbury's masterpiece of the supernatural. An incredible journey to the outer limits of imagination. The Illustrated Man, starring Rod Steiger and Claire Bloom from Warner Brothers Seven Arts in Technicolor. This picture is rated M. And now playing exclusively at Pacific's Pickwood Theater in Wendy Westwood. All right. So, uh, yeah, this is all cool stuff. Yes. You know this soundtrack. It's these air checks from yeah. from AM radio in, in 1969, and they just and they're they're awesome. I love it. It just gives such a great feel to the soundtrack. It mm-hmm. brings it all together. Here's the, I'm going to tell you the quick story, and you know this story. People might not know this story. I don't even know why I'm telling this story, because I, I, don't, I don't mind tell honesty. It. I don't mind honesty. Sure. This is one of the reasons why I, I'm not allowed to get uh, riled up. <laughs> uh, this was right after uh, our first child was born, and um, we had a horrible landlord. Like He would look in the windows, and he would, you know, if something needed fixed, he would just take his time, and he felt like he could come in your apartment, if, you know, all Oof. kinds of stuff like that. Just yeah. We're on the first floor, so... Uh, Baby's just maybe a month old, and uh, Pilar's home alone, and I'm working. I was uh, doing, I don't know, whatever production job I was doing, and she calls me at work, and she tells me that the landlord just came in and said that workers were coming in today, and they were going to fix the hot water heater. Like, we had no... Yeah, no notice. No notice, no warning, and now she's trying to, keep, you know, get the... You know, she, we're, she's, we're new parents. She's a new mother. And they're, they're being loud and she can't get the baby, the baby's crying, you know, so all these things as a man and a dad and a husband and a father, well, your protection instinct kicks in and she, she says she wants me to come home. So my blood is just boiling Mm -hmm. the whole drive home. You know, it's just, I'm on a Kawanga. Good for you. You you leave work. I got to take care of my wife. That's what I said. I go, uh, that was Pilar with this problem at home. I'm going to, I'm going to just take my lunch now. So I'm at the Promark building that's now the Vivid Video building. And then we live uh, Fairfax District right near CBS Studios there yeah. in Beverly. On so that's G where I drive. Street. So I drive and uh, park the car and the side doors open and they're in where the, um, <laughs> they're in, they're in, you know, where the hot water heater is. And I go straight to that side door. They have a ladder set up. I grab that ladder with one hand and throw it outside into yeah. the driveway. And I go... You two, get out. And they're like, what? I go, get the fuck out. And I'm just like yelling, yeah. full, like like a crazy person, like full yes. bore. Like you can't control yourself. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. No one said you guys were coming. We don't want you here. It doesn't work for us. And they're like, 
but I, I don't know what I'm getting get out and I'm just grabbing now tools yeah. and everything and just throwing and they go because you're insane. I'm, I'm insane. Yeah. I'm an insane person. <laughs> and I shut the door and then uh, I come to the front and my landlord's there. And uh, so <laughs> I, go, I walk right up to him and he's like, he's an old. Wait, he's, he's in the room. No, this is in front of the house. But so he's there when you throw all the shit on the driveway. Yeah, and then I walk to the front of the house to come in the front door. Okay. And he's he's like he's a he's a, he's an older gentleman. He's big, but he's he's solid like a, like Lou Grant, like Ed Asner, like Lou Grant. Like so, like a bear of a man, of a bear of a man. Yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, he's uh, he's I'm not going to do an accent, but he's like he's like saying you you can't do this. You can't. Do, I go no, you can't do this. You can't come around here. We have a new baby. You got to let us know when we're gonna. Uh, how, well, how close are you to him at this point? Like, like face to like. You're in his face. You're so close that I spit in his face. Uh, <laughs> while yelling at him, like spit came out of your mouth and it mm, flew out his. No, you spit in his fucking face. Yes. Oh, Pat. I know. That's uh, that's battery. That's assault. Yeah. And uh, and I think he puts his finger in my chest and you know words and then and then I just go in. So I go in the house and Pilar's a little bit shell shocked because <laughs> I oh oh you think yeah I don't think she <laughs> I owe you and you haven't even had lunch yet yeah have you? no, no. no. <laughs> but so I go in and she's like what was what happened and I tell her and then I go and then I said and then I spit in our landlord's face and she's just what and now <laughs> now it's the bottoms dropped out because now the white knight the hero the protector you know the <laughs> husband the father you called me I came here. And, and now I've just, uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's, yeah, you, you crossed the line. I crossed I mean, the line. You absolutely crossed the line. Crossed the and line. I know yeah. I did. I know yeah. that I did. And then, you know, very soon after knock at the door, the police. Cops? Two cops. Dude. And I'm, I'm from, I'm a guy that when the cops come, <laughs> that sounds like they always come. But when, <laughs> every time. No. When I, the, for me, I'm like, that's, I'm scared to death. Well, yeah, because now, because shit is at the fan. Yeah, if the cops she, are involved and they have guns, who yeah, knows? Yeah. So they come in and they're like, hey, uh, your landlord said that you guys, he, you were yelling at him and then you spit in his face. And I go, and I start to tear up, you know, because now. Oh my, you're that now, scared. Now I'm a baby. Yeah. You know, I was, baby, it's, it's, you're baby. scared. I've, I said, I've I said, cried yeah, after and fights. And I just said, I said, that's, tr that's true. That's true. And he's like, ah. and they're like, okay, now look, that's assault. So if he wants you to arrest, if he wants us to arrest you, we'll have to arrest you. Yeah. And I, and then I said, okay, okay. I'm sorry. You know, I'm apologizing. I'm sorry. Like that's going to make it better. I go, but you'll have to arrest him too. Cause he put hands on me too. Cause he did after the fact. Yeah. But they go, what did he do? I go, well, after I did that, he did this. And they're like, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. He, he just said, we'll go out and tell him that if he wants us to arrest you, we will, but that you also want us to arrest him. And then they said, and then nothing will happen. Yeah, he's going to back off at that yeah, point. Yeah, he said nothing will happen because this is just, you know, you, got, you were overzealous and, you know, and, they're, and he's like, and, but they were like, but you can't. <laughs> you can't act like that. And I was like, I was like, I know, I know, I know. I go, it's the stress. We have a new baby in my, and he was around, and, he, and my wife called, and I, I was, and, and they're like, well, we get it, we understand. You know, they were, they were basically saying, we would have done the same thing, yeah. but you, you, but you can't. And yeah. I was like, I know, I know, I know. And so nothing happened. Oh, yeah. so they went out and told him, and he was yeah, like, yeah, okay, and then no. nothing happened, and then, um, 
but we did move like within the month. Oh, sure. We found, uh, we were taking a walk like two days later and right around the corner, there was a, a, a tiny house for rent, which is much smaller than our apartment. We had a gigantic apartment, but we're just like, I think we, and, and twice the rent, but we're like, I think we need to do this because we won't be sharing walls and we won't have that guy in our life. Cause right. he was, he's always a nuisance, but you, when you're, when you don't have a baby involved or anything, you're just like, whatever. Yeah. This guy's a dick, but then, but, when then, you, but you went nuclear on the fucking guy too. I went fucking nuclear, yeah. So, <laughs> so kids don't do that. And I don't do that anymore. I don't act like that anymore. Well, I, on the plane, I, I'm doing my very best to not get upset and angry about things. But when you're con- consistently goaded, 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 eventually awful. And like I said, there's no, you can't, yeah. in the old days, again, in the old West, whatever the uh, fuck, in the old West, you'd hit a guy or Rick whatever. Dalton would punch you in the face. Right. And he'd, and you'd fall down and he'd be like, oh man, I deserve that. I mean, yeah. I've been a dick this whole time. Mm-hmm. Cause everybody in the plane knew he was a dick. Everybody yeah. hated him. Right. And, and then, like I said, you're, I'm, I'm the biggest guy here. Why are you jawing at me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause again, if we were in the street and you were doing this, I, you wouldn't be doing it this fucking long. I'll tell you that. No, he wouldn't have been doing this. Uh, just, Cause I would, I would either just grab, I wouldn't have hit him right away, but I'd, I'd have made it very clear that I was going to hit yeah. him cause he knows I can't hit him on a plane. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, sky marshal comes. Uh, <laughs> with the the waiter. Um, so, uh, yeah, the way the waiter and the waitress, <laughs> the chicks, the chicks and the dudes come. <laughs> so look, what we're trying to say is guys, you can't act like this. Don't please control yourselves at all times. Please control yourself at all times. And, uh, as difficult as it is sometimes I, I do, I find my, that I am very much in control now. Well, good. That's important. <laughs> I know. You, now that your children are in high school and college, you just get in the car and you just go, you're no longer spitting anybody's face. No. Well, that was many, that was, geez, that, well, that was, well, sure. that's 19 years, years ago, yeah. 19, 20 years ago. Hey, little girl, this is a song by D. Clark. Hey, little girl. 93 Oh, I love the intro. Oh, yeah. D. Clark. This song is a little questionable in its lyrical content. Uh oh. So she's in high school. He's like to get to know her. We know what that means. All right, so we're still kind of wholesome, almost. Hey, little girl in the black silk stocking. What? Yeah, but you've got my heart rocking. I wear that crazy skin tight skirt. I'm that crazy Avalanche. Hey, 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 hey. When I read the name D. Clark, I thought it was going to be a woman singing. <laughs> no, sir. No, it's, it is a very horny guy. Yes, it's uh, birth name is Delectus Clark. How do you not be Delectus Clark? I know, it's better, That's isn't perfect. It? Uh, you know why? Because everybody think you were a Motown act. Well, he was, uh, he, I mean, he wasn't on Motown because he predates that. Born in 1938. Died, in, uh, died at the age of 52. Ah, Delectus. Is the, math, is the math wrong on that? No, that's not, yeah, yeah. Born in 1938 and died in 1990. It sounds like he would be older than 52. I, exactly, because 38, it is, it's 1990, that's the math. And also, this movie's 69, so you figure yeah. that, so he's 31 when this song comes yeah. out. 
And then, but then he only lives another 21 yeah. years. So it is creepy for a 31 year old man to be singing those lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> and also, how's she going from a high school sweater to black silk stockings? Or is he just hitting on everything in the neighborhood? I guess so. Just, you know, you play your odds. <laughs> Why not? You miss every shot you don't take. Got to pay the bills, Mike. <laughs> what do you say? You want to be the prettiest, sunniest blonde in town? Well, of course you do. Will you listen to this now? Stay away from D. Clark. <laughs> sun did it but it's really summer blonde the gentle hair lightener just shampoo it looks like the sun did it get summer blonde or new summer blonde plus with its own conditioning rinse for extra body and shine say the sun did it don't let on that it was really summer, summer blonde and light and such a tiny touch that you can always say but the sun did it <laughs> it's the sun i love the dj after this Super cop out. Mojave goes from <laughs> well, zero to thirty fun of it. in one point eight seconds. But the down payment remains at zeros. Can you dig it? Huh? Well, you, you check, check it, and you can catch it at your nearest Montgomery Ward Auto Center. Open every night until nine. The real Don Steele, ninety three KHJ. Are those are those actual? They are actual air checks. He didn't. He didn't recreate those. Um, I don't think so. I haven't mm-hmm. done as much research, but they literally, they, if he did, they're phenomenal recreations mm-hmm. and the real Don Steele's a real guy. Yeah. And I mean, this is, you know, I've said this on a few other shows. It's a very noisy movie. Um, yeah. the, the, the AM radio is always going. There's always some, you always yeah. hear something always going some on. And also there's a tons of stuff that didn't make the soundtrack, uh, commercials for newscasts, commercials for television shows and bumpers and things like, and they're playing constantly in this movie. But maybe they'll do like a deluxe edition, like two CD set or something. Who knows? This is pretty deluxe already. I mean, there's like 30 songs 30 on songs. this. Uh, now, uh, we haven't talked about the movie for about 45 minutes now. So uh, let me bring it up again. All right. <laughs> there, is the, there is a very cool thing that he, uh, that he wrote or else he heard about other actors doing this and recreated it. But I love when Leonardo DiCaprio's character memorizes his lines. Yeah. Because he records on tape the entire script. Or the other person's line. The person that all of the other lines that aren't his. Yes, all the other lines that aren't his. Then he takes the tape recorder out. He sits in like a floating chaise lounge in the pool, gets a drink. Yeah. And then or, or four or four, <laughs> and then uh, listens to the tape and does his lines uh, along with the uh, the yes. other actors' lines that he's pre-recorded. And that's super cool. It's so great. It's really cool. And then and also he records the uh, there's uh, Spanish Spanish Spanish. He, he does that thing. Yes, also. yes, yes. And also he does it. Yes, senor. He records them in the voice. He yes. does the English voice for Luke Perry's character. Yeah. It's fucking great. It's very good. It's yeah. very good. And I think it's at one of those scenes when we hear this, this 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 song's in the trailer too. This is Neil Diamond, and this is just perfectly used in yep. the trailer and in the movie. Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show. Hot August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground smelling sweet. Good gospel beat. It's a ragged tent where there ain't no 
trees and that gospel group Previously, I spoke about the way uh, Bruce Lee was treated in the film. His mm-hmm. character was portrayed, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who starred with uh, him in Game of Death, said, uh, of course Tarantino has the artistic right to portray Bruce any way he wants, but to do so in such a sloppy and somewhat racist way is a failure both as an artist and as a human being. I didn't find it to be a racist portrayal. I'm not Asian, so I also did not find it to be a racist portrayal, but everyone I mean, now has... Uh, I just don't know what... I, I just didn't. I just felt that he was. I mean, the voice because he literally sounds just like Bruce Lee. So yeah, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I don't believe it's a racist portrayal. If I see it again, maybe I'll change my mind. But I, I, I off the top of my head, I just felt that he was. You know, I think it's portrayed I, as a dick. But that scene, that scene is the first scene where the movie really kind of picks up and goes. Because up until that point, it's very you're languishing a little bit. You got the you know the thing thing with Schwarz, and mm-hmm. the we're, we're all setting the tone. Yeah. That flashback scene when he parkours up to the fucking roof, takes the shirt mm-hmm. off, and then he flashes back, and then the fight with Bruce Lee, it just it, yeah. that's when it crackles. That's when the Tarantino stuff yeah. starts really crackling. Because when Pitts just got the smile on his face and and he just says, Hey, uh, it's called man, you know, because that, that manslaughter thing should not be in the trailer. Because yeah. it's such a huge laugh. It is. When he goes, My hands are lethal weapons. If I kill you, uh, I go to jail. And he goes, Anybody accidentally kills somebody in a fight, it's called, you know, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Yeah. And I think that, in, uh, and the, the great line is Pitt goes, and I think that lethal weapons bullshit is something you dancers made up so you never had to get into a real fight. <laughs> That's funny too. And the whole theater, I mean, just like, it's just that, like, oh, because anybody would talk like that because we all know who Bruce Lee is. Yes. Cliff Booth doesn't give a fuck who Bruce Lee is. No. And that's what's so great about it because then Bruce Lee is just like, uh, you know, what, how about a contest? Two out of three. And then uh, this, the smile on Pitt's face, he goes, I think it's a great idea, Cato. And it's, and you're just, it's just, it's, he's yeah. such a bad, it's like Mr. Blonde smiling yeah. and it's tough guy shit gets me every time. And it's so cool. It's so cool. You know, I guess, I mean, if he was, I mean, if Bruce Lee was portrayed as I think that he was, that scene wouldn't exist because I don't think he would have challenged. Look, I don't, fight. I don't know anything about Bruce Lee for real. All right. We've, we've read, I know he's tapes. very nice. He's lionized. I mean, he's, you know, he's everybody's poster in their dorm room yeah. and good for him. And I, th- and I think he's a badass. I fucking in movies. I fucking love him, <gasps> but he can take a hit. All right. Just, I mean, it's okay if he takes a hit yeah. once where once <laughs> they portray so. him, he's not Jesus. All right. He's not karate. Jesus. Well, him and Jesus aren't here to defend themselves. Well, but if he was here to defend himself, he would go one-on-one with Cliff Booth, <laughs> but that's that. And Cliff Booth is just as real as Jesus is. And, and and who cares? I don't. These people who just fucking lose their these mind over the stuff. He's talking about me. Uh, you and anyone. <laughs> and who anyone just, else. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, and he knew Bruce Lee. Anybody he who did. knows Bruce Lee, they're like, it's a disservice to Bruce Lee. Like Bruce Lee never had a moment in his life when he was arrogant or thought he was the baddest guy or got into an argument and was mean to somebody. I mean, I don't it's think so. Quit portraying him as the saint. Who cares? So one guy deigns to take. You know, oh no, you you made Bruce Lee he, look not great. He didn't even make him look shitty. I know he worked at an orphanage. My, I had a, my buddy, Making Max, that up. Max was like, he goes, yeah, I know. The second I saw Bruce Lee throw a flying kick, I was out because he doesn't do That's not his fighting style. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. I, it's, I love that. It's a, I, I, I go, well, you know what? In the scene, maybe he throws the flying kick because he's, he thinks so little of Cliff Booth. 
he's willing to knock him on his ass with a flying kick. That's all he's going to waste on that guy. Because then Cliff Booth says, try it again. And he throws him into the fucking car. And then Bruce Lee goes, oh, okay. And then they fight for real in the third, did, third round. Did Max like the movie? He won't see it. No. Oh. He sees oh. nothing. He hasn't even seen Django yet. He's just, he never leaves his house. So he's not interested. Has he seen Wizard of Oz? Uh, yeah, of course he's okay, seen cool. Wizard of Oz. But, but I, I wanted to say something real quick. Uh, what we were talking about before, before you played that. Hot uh, August Night. Uh, yeah, brother loves traveling just, salvation uh, show because you thought it plays in the movie when he's floating in the chase because in the trailer it plays it when he's floating yes, in the chase. Yeah, yes. and in the movie it's when Pitt's driving on the way to, yeah. uh, and then he sees Margaret Qualley. Everything's playing when Pitt's driving. Oh, it's so great! <laughs> is, I love um, it. I do love. Uh, I do love uh, the scene at the at the ranch. Until uh, it, until the coda of it, when it doesn't, the, when when it's supposed to pay off and it doesn't, but the entire buildup when they pull in everything and Tex on the on the on the horse, yeah. is, isn't it funny? No, I, I do know. like when I like when he punches the guy and makes him change his tire. He's, he's like, can, can I get a towel and clean up my face? He goes, no, no, tire no, first. You because you pulled he, a knife on me. Because he's Cliff fucking Booth. Yeah, that's a great tough guy yeah. scene. And when he and when he look and the, I also I love the fact that Margaret Qualley really thinks. He could be in the family. Yeah. Because he talks in the car about the prison's been trying to get me yeah. forever. And she's like, Charlie's going to love you. And he talks about breaking a cop's jaw in Houston. And she goes, oh, man. And she, and also she's vibrating. Like she wants to fuck Brad Cliff Booth so bad. You can just see. And she, she's, and she's also happy she brought a prize yeah. to the family. And everyone, everyone in the family's dirty and gross. And she thinks that he could be an enforcer yeah. and that Charlie would love him. She, she sees him as this, this character that yeah. she could add to the Savior. elements. Yeah. Because Tex is clearly the, he's the man of the he's, ranch. He's the Charlie's alpha male. And the best thing about Tex too, like, isn't it funny how you see a dude, because that guy's got some Adam Driver in him too, that yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah. And I went, in my brain, I go, who's that guy? Because you know he's going to be somebody. Yeah. And now he's been cast as Elvis in the Elvis biopic. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so that dude is, is well on his way to being a somebody. And then Margaret Qualley's another one who comes out of nowhere for me. I never watched The Leftovers. Mm -hmm. But I told you, I couldn't take my eyes off yeah, her. Yeah, she's getting The Leftovers. And then I find out, but it's, and you're like, man, what's her history? Like, where'd she come from? And then you find out where, who her mom is, and you're like, oh, Who's Jesus. your mom? Andy McDowell. Oh, okay. The model and actress yeah, Andy yeah, McDowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My co-star co in uh, Groundhog Day. Exactly. And then in your brain, you just go, "Oh, okay. Well, then there's no accidents. You know what I mean? There are no yeah. accidents, right?" Uh, and Margaret Qualley, there's a great. If you want to really, she did a cool ass thing. I think with the Chemical Brothers. Yeah. They made a video, and she's in it, and she's dancing in it the entire time, because she's a trained, amazing dancer. Yeah. And you can see that in the movie reflected in her body movements yes. and stuff. When she's jumping side by side, I mean, she's so happy to see Brad Pitt that yeah. third time. And she sits down and she crosses her legs in anticipation. It, and she's, she uh. is so different in this movie than she is in The Leftovers. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Like, I'm like, this is, this is so different from what, how she was in the other show I've seen her in. But she's but so that's acting. unrestrained id in this movie. Yeah. You can just see she's just, and, and I just, I loved her so much. I acting! Just <laughs> acting! Mm. Uh, coming up next in the soundtrack is something by called Don't Chase Me Around from the MGM film Gas. I don't even know what that movie is. What's it about? MGM movie Gas. I, I think it's it about the gas shortages. Is it that one? Because I think in the movie that's about a snake. And this is and this is the song that plays when he uh, has him fix the tire. He comes out and he sees that the tire's been popped. And this, this, this diffuses the tensions that's been built at Spawn Ranch. I agree. Can you go to that ranch? I don't know if it exists. I mean, the location does, but it's not Spawn Movie Ranch anymore, certainly. But he sure fucking recreated it like it was. Yeah. Don't chase me around. 
and he does that thing where he brings you in an era where there's quick milk powder in everybody's cabinet and tang and you know all the brand names from the 60s I can't find any information about that movie. About gas? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. You know what? Maybe he created it like you created Wolf's Tooth Dog Food for this <laughs> let's, movie. Let's do uh, another Paul Revere and the Raiders song. This is called Mr. Sun, Mr. Moon. So 69. Good song. What album is this from? Let me find out. This song is from an album called Hard and Heavy with Marshmallow. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. In parentheses, it's with Marshmallow. What with is marshmallow? that? I don't know. What is that? It was the 60s, though. Like, there's, there's a movie called Psych Out that Jack Nicholson made. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to see it. It's phenomenal. And the Strawberry Alarm Clock is like the house band in it. They did the whole soundtrack. <laughs> and they have a song called Rainy Day Mushroom Pillow, which is just, it's just that rainy day mushroom pillow with the sitar and all that shit. It's gorgeous. <laughs> and they have, there's a song on that soundtrack called Pretty Song from Psych Out. That's what they named it. Oh, true. Because it's just this kind of atmospheric song that plays with a flute. Blah, 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 blah. It's, Did Nicholson so write, write and direct this film? I believe so, yeah. And he stars in it, too. But it's so great. It's about a, a woman who goes to the hate Ashbury in 1967 looking for her brother. She's, a, she's deaf and mute. And she falls in with these hippies at a coffee house. It's wild. I watched it one night. It was just... Because I... Where that did you era, find this? What is this? Is this on the hippie channel? You know what? It came on... Uh, I was working in Schwabaville in, okay. uh, in Graveyard Town. and uh, yeah, Maybe tell people what that is. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, there used to be a gig. Our friend Pete Schwabo lived in a building here in the Valley, and he would work security, overnight security, four days a week. Night but, watchman. Yeah, but then he would get a job, and we would pass it among Chicago comedians. Because he didn't want to give it up. Right. So you would fill in for him. To make yeah, and I'd work it sometimes, and, and Rich Brown would I work did it. it. I did it before. Pat did it. I think Siegel did it. Yeah. And we just did it where it was a, it was a placeholder, so when Pete was done with his job or whatever, he'd come back and he'd take it back over. And do it, yeah. So, so I was there one night and they had a TV that didn't get cable. And we called it Schwabaville. Schwabaville, yeah, exactly. And so it, um, it, 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 the TV didn't get cable, but this is when over-the-air television became government-run where they gave you that, uh, that antenna. And there are some channels that are just like, you know, me TV is one of them, which is national, but then there are these other yeah. channels. And just at night, they would show weird movies. Whatever. I watched some movie once where like, uh, it was either, it was Elliot Gould was a, in, in New York and he was a heroin junkie. You know what I mean? Just those atmospheric, gritty New York, yeah. San Francisco, anything from the late this 60s, early 70s. This is before we take our laptop and watch Netflix. Exactly. So I'm like just, that. you're trapped in this office with this little fucking 12 inch television. Yeah. And I watched Psych Out one night and I go, I love this movie. Jesus, it's great. Yeah. It, and it stayed with me because I, I, I would watch it today. It's just, it very much of its time period. Just like these songs, when you hear them and you just go, oh my goodness. It's I wonder just, if that's it's, a Roger Corman produced thing. I do not know. Psych out. You know the song California Dreamin', but I did not know the version by Jose Feliciano. Which is again a Tarantino choice to pick the different version yeah. from that year. Maybe he didn't want Papa John to get any money. And this song plays, uh, it's fantastic because it's very much 
Twilight, end of day. Rick Dalton has been, he's done shooting. Pitt picks him up. Jim Stacy gets on his motorcycle and drives home. And, and, and day's ending, night's beginning. this guy ever thought about doing a uh, Christmas song? <laughs> he must have, right? Felice Navidad. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, my fault. <laughs> I'm going to go right into something called Dynamite Jim English version. And this plays as the narrator tells us about Nebraska Jim which is the character that DiCaprio plays overseas in this This is when the narrator kicks in, everybody. California Dreaming ends the first part of the movie, basically the first two-thirds. And then third act begins with the narrator, and this song kicks in. Bum, 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 bum. Dynamite isn't spelled right either. It's, it's D-I-N-A. Yeah. Yes, sir. Instead of with a Y. But that song plays, and basically it's it's it brings an end to a lot of things. It brings an end because he films the, the pilot with Jim mm-hmm. Stacy, and it brings basically an end to that chapter. Yeah. And also it then gets us into him accepting uh, and, and, and going home to watch the FBI with Brad Pitt. And then he gets a call from Schwarz to say, you know, I have these Nebraska gym things to offer you. And, and then, so he then he decides to go to the, Italy. Yeah, and make the spaghetti westerns. Right. And Dynamite Jim plays over that montage mm-hmm. because his name is Nebraska Jim in the movies overseas. Yeah. Okay, so you were talking earlier about, you brought this one up, you brought up the You Keep Me Hanging On by Vanilla Fudge. This is the Quentin Tarantino edit. But before we do that. Yes. Oh, am I going to win a prize? It's important. <laughs> Which box? No, I want, don't spit my Good face. Box number two. Uh, it's important. I think now this is where the song that's not on the soundtrack should come in. The one by the Rolling Stones? Yes. And this because, is a great song. I've always loved it. Yes. And, and it's a song I've always loved. And to me, it's a song that belongs to the movie Coming Home. Yes. Because it plays over the closing credits. Yep. But that's the, the studio version from the Aftermath album from the, the UK release. But again, just like Tarantino does, he finds a version that's just a little bit different, so it becomes his. And this plays when um, the narrator tells you that six months have been spent in Italy for DiCaprio to make movies, and that he and Cliff Booth have, you know, DiCaprio declares that I can't keep you around anymore because I've been married and I can't afford it. And they're flying home on the plane, and then they land at the airport at LAX. And uh, this gets us into the final third of the movie. And it's fitting because it's, you know, you're out of time. Because it's the night that the Manson family is going to visit the Tate house. And they're out of time. And here we go. I love this song. It's great. Rolling Stones. So this version is so good. And this is from the singles collection, The London Years. Yes. But it's not on the soundtrack. No. This song, this song is not on the soundtrack. But on Spotify, you can build your own soundtrack of it and, and include this because you should. Here we go. don't know what's going on you've been what you've been away for much too long because they've been gone for six months you're out of touch man DiCaprio's out of touch and Sharon Tate's out of time because the Manson family's coming 
So who's out of time? Sharon Tate's out of time. That's what you're thinking. And DiCaprio's out of touch. Yeah. So, and they're arriving back. And it also, in the beginning of the movie, Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski are walking down the hallway at LAX and they're being followed by like 20 paparazzi mm-hmm. who, who won't stop taking their photo. And in this scene, DiCaprio and his wife come from Italy and they walk down the very same hallway completely undisturbed. No photographers, yeah. no paparazzi yeah. because essentially it's over. Yeah. Pitt's behind them with the luggage and that's, that's their welcoming committee. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Because they're out of touch and, and the, it's again... It, in, then there's the montage telling us what Cliff, what everybody, and we get the whole right. song basically over this this montage. Yeah. It's fucking beautiful. So now you keep me hanging on, Quentin Tarantino edit. What did he do to this song? He actually takes. All right, if you hear the original version, the uh, the dun, 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 mm-hmm. which sets all the tension yeah. in the beginning comes at the end. Ah. So he put it in the beginning to set tension right away because it just starts out with that. Yeah. It's very slow. It's it's vanilla fudge. So it's a fucking dirge, man. I mean, that's what they did. They would take songs and they would just completely pour syrup all over them and and, and put them through you know the, the amp at eleven and then beat you over yeah. the head with it. It's five minutes long. I just dropped in in, in the middle, right? So. Because well, because the normal the original song I think is only three. Yeah. So he basically takes the end and puts it in the beginning yeah. and then it plays again at the end. So I don't know if we're gonna get that from the way I cued this up, but we'll hear the song anyway. This is the end of the song. Set me free. Cool. And in the movie, Pitt turns on the radio and this is playing. And like Tarantino's edit kind of takes the beginning. It takes, it, it takes liberties, but it's... He needs to. Love the song. Love this version. It's a great version. All right. The next thing I got is something called Miss Lily Langtree. Yes. And this is... Q from The Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. I know that's a Paul Newman movie. I've never seen it, though. Right. Have you seen it? I have not. Seems like you should see it. You think so? So that Vanilla Fudge song plays over what is a devastating series of events. I mean, where it's just relentless. I I don't want to give it away, but... You can give it away. Well, I mean, but I can't, but I don't, I don't like to steal joy from people, Okay, but it is, it is the, it is a huge culmination of everything. And it, it throws you this left turn where you don't see it coming. Yes. And it just, it keeps building when you think you're thinking, well, you're not going to, you can't shock me. Another crazy thing can't happen. It keeps getting crazy. But it almost builds to a, a ridiculous three stooges type of a thing. See, I, I disagree because like I, it, it was almost laughable. No. First I, of all, well, it, it releases first all, tension. First of all, if you got to keep a prop, uh, uh, a prop um, flamethrower from a movie. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a working one that you have gassed up at all times at your house, ready to use. How do you know? <laughs> because you just wouldn't. But you might. <laughs> they wouldn't even give you a Maybe real Cliff one. Maybe Booth needs it to, to burn foliage when he's not around. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous. Like I think the I think this part is ridiculous. But at the same time, it's it's this is a tough thing for me because I I didn't really I didn't want to see what really happens with the Manson family because because I've grown to love this character Sharon Tate mm-hmm. but we're going in every everyone seeing this movie thinks that's what's going to happen well, and then uh, it takes a left turn mm-hmm. and something it's violent but it's crazy it's ridiculous it's ridiculous violent. Violent. that's what I mean it's but like it's three awesome. stooges no, it's I well you want to, it's funny because the three stooges is an analogy I used in other shows mm-hmm. because he demystifies the Manson family for our entire lives, all right, because this happens in 69, I'm yeah. two at that point. 
we've heard of the Manson family because even the name alone is a cool ass name. It would be a yeah. cool ass name for a wrestling stable. Marilyn cool, Manson. A bunch of murderers. It's like they were a man, they were a family, they hung out. But in reality, they were scumbag hippies mm-hmm. who wanted a race war and they listened to one charismatic dude and they did a bunch of yeah. crazy shit, but they scared the shit out of the fucking country yeah. over the course of two nights. And then, of course, the subsequent trial and Charlie's crazy and he has somebody yeah. killed, whatever. But he demystifies them because I, I said they're like the Three Stooges. Yeah. When when they're in the car arguing about the Bounty Law lunchbox and all yeah, that stuff and yeah. back and forth. Yeah, he, they're he, idiots. He Right, he makes them look they're like... They're idiots. Com- and even on the ranch, they're all pussies. They're all idiots. He completely strips them of any sort of spookiness or pretense they might have and you're just like, these are fucking nobodies. And so mm-hmm. then he, he defangs them which is what I think his goal was. Like I said, mm-hmm. he, he, he retells it in a way where, why are we all scared of these fucking nobodies? Yeah. And then, yeah, the, the violence is ludicrous. There's it's no doubt. Ludicrous. But it's fucking cathartic. And it makes you, and I, because I'm, I was, every time I've seen it, you're just kind of like, you're, you're just gassed. When, that, when he gets the knife, when Brad Pitt gets the knife in the hip, because the dog is insane. That's fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, the dog's nuts. And then when the, he, the girl tackles him, he, wakes, he looks down and there's the knife on his hip and he does that thing where he just kind of, he taps the knife, much like, Jim Stacy tapped his gun mm-hmm. in in the showdown at, at, at on Lancer, and he sees the knife. And then the next thing you know, he just picks up that woman and he smashes her fucking head all over the the house into the brick fireplace, into the fucking that old school phone with the weird yeah. fork, into the the Nebraska gym poster. He just fucking yeah. Because I mean, I mean, it's 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 Tex and two women who go there. So yes. and they're going to kill him. Or kill. Well, they were going to kill Sharon Tate. Yeah, and they get sidetracked. They got what they deserved. So, I mean, it's you know, it's. It's uh, there's violence against women, but they they came to to kill someone. They're, so yeah, I mean, they're murderers. It's yeah, not, they're they're not good people. Yeah, and, and people. they wanted to kill a pregnant woman who lived next door. Right. So they deserved everything they got, including getting burned up in the pool by a perfectly working fucking flamethrower that you would save from a movie and keep gassed up at all times in case this ever happened. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I would. Uh, here's the deal. If I had a flamethrower, it would be ready to go at all times. Let, let me. Here's my here's my radical take on the Manson family. Charles Manson didn't kill anyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I tell you to go kill someone and you go do it, why, why am I in trouble? Well, I mean... You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, technically, if he would have had a better lawyer, maybe he gets off for that. But at the same time, they were, you know, he was clearly the guy behind all of it. I, so there's I, at least a conspiracy charge you can get charged with. Yeah, but he, I mean, he spent his entire life in prison. But they, yeah, and they were going to find a way to to put him away. Yeah. I mean, he, he scared the shit out of the world. I mean, or the, the country anyway. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm, it's always like, I'm like, did he kill anyone? No, he didn't. He just, we talked those people into it. Yeah. All right. Well, that dumb one, dumb for them. Yeah. I mean, look, he's insane. I don't want him released. Sounds like you're defending Charles Manson. I'm defending, I'm defending. Sounds like you want him cut loose. I'm defending. He can't get out of because I'm scared <laughs> to death. No, He's dead. He's got an advocate in you, certainly. He's dead, right? Uh, yeah, he just died, what, two years ago? Yeah. But I always just found, I, I, I mean, I'm no attorney, but uh, I always felt that that was weird if he, you know, if he just talked someone into doing something and they do it. I'm not, I think he was in a conspiracy to commit murder. Mm-hmm. He was charged with also the murders that, because he was the ringleader of the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the way, look, from years of forensic files mm-hmm. and every other crime fucking show I've seen, um, how did you get him on murder? He wasn't there. I mean, there's no, yeah. he lit and they tell, they say Charlie wasn't there. He says he Look, wasn't there. Now OJ got off. So the, he, he, now, now <laughs> if it happened now, he would have gotten off. Of course. If he yeah. had, if he had a lawyer, if he had all yeah. the money in the world, but he was just some scumbag hippie. They wanted right. to throw in the fucking clink. So I'm going to make was, an example of him. Yeah. 
And rightfully so, because look what happened. Yeah. Fucking Lobiancos, they're just sleeping. What do they do? They don't want, nobody wants to carve Terrible. more in somebody's stomach with a fork. Ugh. Go to jail. Ugh. Which brings me to Miss uh, Lily Langtree. It's, uh, so this, this plays as the coda, the end, after the killings, after this ultimate, unbelievable, cathartic, therapeutic violence. We're now breathing easy and we're outside with the cops and, uh, and we get a, a nice moment between DiCaprio and Pitt where he, you know, he says, you're a good friend, Cliff. And he's like, I try. And then he makes the acquaintance of Sharon Tate, who he's been kind of trying to meet the entire film. Yeah. Cathartic violence. That's what it was. Here we go. This plays as he walks up the driveway and we see, and then we see Sharon Tate alive when yeah. we all know what really happened. Yeah. And then the unfolding of the fact that it was a fable becomes clear. And this is very fable-like music. Yeah, because you think maybe they're going to come and kill Brad Pitt and then go and mm -hmm. kill the other people. Yeah, you're wondering. But they're played like such idiots. So awesome. you're like, how are they going to pull this off? Yeah. But those idiots did really pull it off in real life. Because mm -hmm. a guy told them to and they did it. Well, yeah, because they went in the right house. If they go in the fucking Cliff Booth's house in 1969, none of this shit ever happens. You mean Burt Reynolds' house? <laughs> yeah, or Hal Needham's house. You go to Hal Needham's house, you don't walk out of there. I'm done listening to this. <laughs> this is this is what closes out the album, but it's not our playout song, but because this isn't a song. But this is a uh, we'll dedicate this to Kyle. Batman. And Robin. With exclusive news for KHJ listeners. It's the Batphone Secret Number Contest presented by Boss Radio. There's a terrific prize for the first KHJ listener to guess the secret number of our Batphone. You've seen us answering the Batphone on TV. It's a special hotline Commissioner Gordon uses to contact us whenever there's trouble. There are seven digits in the Batphone's secret number. Listen to what you'll win if yours is the first correct answer received by KHJ. You'll visit Batman and me at 20th Century Fox and be our guest for lunch at the studio. Then you'll ride to the Batcave in the Batmobile, where Robin and I will present you with a 1966 console color television set. To visit us and win the color TV, just guess the secret Batphone number. Watch for Robin and me on Channel 7 Wednesday and Thursday nights. And keep it on KHJ for more clues in the Batphone secret number contest. And that plays over the closing credits. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and again, to how, your point. How different was TV back then? Well, to your point from earlier, when you said Schwarz says, who's next? Batman, pow, zoom, bang. There are people online who are like, uh, that, that 1966 uh, Batman, and then this movie's in 1969. Why does this play in the credits? Of it? And I'm just like, shut up. Just shut up. Well, you Stop. tell them because it's a fable. <laughs> it is a fable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't begrudge you hating this movie. That's fine. I, I don't begrudge I anybody who hates it. I didn't say hated it. I just had some, I had a lot of problems with it. Yeah, and that's fine. But I, I, and I'm not denying them. I see what you're saying, but yeah. I'm, I'm. You're all in. Yes. And, and I, I wasn't, you know, again, I saw Tarantino's your, your Marvel. He is. There's no doubt. I, I looked forward to this movie more than I looked forward to any of Spider-Man, any yeah. of that stuff. And, and, and I'm, I'm very But happy. I do not love all those Marvel movies. Uh, yeah, the I don't, twos are the twos are rough for me in in almost all of them. Sure, all the twos, which makes sense. Yeah, um, and they rebound in the threes. But I couldn't I couldn't wait for this. And then I did have questions when I walked out. I actually I went up to a woman exciting. in the lobby when a Tarantino movie comes out. It's exciting. Form, People get excited. I for me, yes, I've seen yeah. them all either on opening day or two days before. I've been lucky enough. I think it feels. I mean, 
look, maybe not across the country, but definitely in, in out here in Southern California, it gets exciting for a Tarantino. But I think the box office shows you that it was that way across the country. Yeah. I mean, there were people, because I mean, again, the people who love this, love it. The people who don't like it, don't like it. And, are, and, mm-hmm. and I understand why they didn't like it, because I, I think this is a film... I think this might be his most personal film he's ever made because it is, you do, he's 56 now. So you start to question, well, I'm not going to be doing this forever. I'm not around. You know, when I was, I, I started to say this earlier. I don't know if I got to the point. When Dogs came out, I'm 24. And I'm wondering if a 24-year-old who sees this movie now, does he feel the way about Quentin Tarantino the way I felt in 92 when I saw Reservoir Dogs? And I don't mm, think he does. No, because Reservoir Dogs is a better movie. Um, no, I don't. I'm. I mean, for it being my favorite movie, but it, I don't think it's a better movie. Oh, it is. It's. It's got a. It's got a. It's got a storyline. It's but got a. It's got a narrative. It's a different movie from a different guy in a different time. But this is the movie a 56 year old Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. makes because it speaks to him personally and kind of he gets to work out. You know, he's aging. He doesn't know if he's Ridley if Scott's he's the same 81. Guy. So this guy can make movies for a long time. Or does he? Or relevant pop culture? The way he makes movies. You know what I mean? It's like I mean even. You I know. think it's time for him to direct stuff that he doesn't write, maybe. Well, he, Jackie Brown is the one yeah. movie he did like yes. that, and it was fantastic. Yeah. fantastic. I thought it was phenomenal, yeah. But I like him as a writer. I want mm-hmm. him to direct the stuff that he writes. I, I wouldn't mind watching him direct stuff that he adapts well, as well. Would he, if he says he's not going to make any... Let's say he said he's, I'm not going to make any more movies. He's not going to make any. Would he still write movies and let other people direct them? Never in a million years. Never, never. So, so then, so he just... He's just Billy Joel. He Billy Joel doesn't record another album. He says, "I'm I'm done," and he just no. I think he, he tours. Goes, I think he goes to Netflix and he makes. Uh, when he says big movies, I mean, it's going to be. I'm talking big theatrical, mm-hmm. Cannes Film Festival, all that kind of shit, which he's addicted to. But I I think he sees the writing on the wall with streaming, with digital, with all these different things, and he you know he's he insisted he, this movie but can be he in, make a small movie all his movies are big because he wants to make big movies Except but what for, i'm saying is he can dogs. go he can pivot to to netflix mm-hmm. and i think if he gets creative freedom he can make cuz i mean he loves tv mm-hmm. and and a lot of the best work now is being done in television yeah so maybe he wants the challenge of doing a a six episode arc on something who know i don't know what he's going to do i i but I'm in for whatever he's going to choose to do. I, I'm, I'm take six episodes to put it together. That's a Tarantino length movie. Fine. Exactly. Break That's it what up. I mean, he could, he could, and he'll get the top talent to still work with him. He's, oh yeah, you know, he's even if he goes to a streaming service or wherever. I think people still. I mean, Pacino wanted to work with him. That's why he's the agent in this film. You know, it's it's not like oh, we better Pacino put Pacino in there to get a name. No, he wanted to work with Tarantino. Tarantino wanted to work with him. So, I, I mean, I. I'm on board with him, whatever he decides to do. He's not going to, like I said, when I first, this first viewing of the movie, I saw the same things you saw. And then the second time I saw it, I kind of felt, I let it wash over me rather than have expectations. And then the third time, now I just love it. I'd, I would watch it every day if I could right now. I mean, I'm, I'm in that headspace. Well, eventually you'll be able to. Believe me, I get that, and I get taunted on it all the fucking time, and I don't care. Who's I, taunting I you? Did that I, guy on the plane say something? He did. He brought it up. He's like, hey, aren't you the guy? <laughs> oh, like, let's promote, and then we're going to play out with another song that was not on the soundtrack album, but it's in the movie. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, uh, um, did you pick the number song or the title song? Uh, I couldn't find the number song. So it's okay, so just song. so I'll just tell people this song actually is not in the movie. Wait a minute, the song itself is in the movie, but not this version. This because okay. uh, here's an interesting thing: this version of the song is in the trailer. The song is called "Straight Shooter" by by the Mamas, the Mamas and, the and the Papas, and it's in the trailer. But in the movie, we get a uh, Abigail Folger, 
who is Sharon Tate's friend, is mm-hmm. playing it at a piano and singing it. Gotcha. While the narrator is telling us what's happening. Gotcha. And then we, he actually pans up past the sheet music so you can see it mm-hmm. says Straight Shooter. So he gives the nod even though he didn't use it uh, and put it on the soundtrack. But it's in the trailer and it's prominent. It plays a big role. Uh, and I'm plugging. Yeah, we are mm-hmm. at, uh, Mike, where can people find you? 40-year-old boy, Twitter, Facebook, all the stuff. Tell all us. right, you guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You can follow me at Twitter.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. You can be my friend at Facebook.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. I'm on Instagram and Snapchat at Mike40YOB. And you can watch me stream games at Twitch.tv slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. I also have a YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. What do you do, put your videos up? There's uh, the archives of 11 years of the podcaster up there. And then there's also some older stand-up and uh, stuff like that nice so but mainly it's the bulk of it is the podcast and there will be clips of games and twitch streaming and me yelling at uh, burger time so that's all there so youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy a lot of plates in the air (laughs) yeah spinning them all i'm hustling even though i'm not hustling it's weird uh, a lot of work. Podcasting's a lot of work. All of it is. You know, you just, it's essentially, I have my own television station and my own radio station. I just need to know how to fucking use them. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, the recording part's the fun part, but then a lot of stuff that goes into it. Well, you know, and you're better at it than I am. Christ, every day I wake up and you got a new new post, a new pay, and, you know, your Patreon. It's awesome. Something. I try. It's phenomenal. It, it, I, I'm, I envy your, your work ethic and the way you make things happen. We got uh, Patreon, by the way, uh, patreon.com forward slash rock solid podcast. If you've been listening for all these years, you know, we have over 425 episodes. And, you know, if you can go over to the Patreon page and just sign up for $2 a month, literally 50 cents a week. Come on, dudes. You can win prizes. <laughs> I got books coming. I got Elton John autobiographies coming. I got Nick Lowe autobiographies coming. I got Black Star Riders CDs and maybe vinyl coming. I mean, I'm, I'm, giving, the, I'm giving stuff away. It's, it's, you know, I pack it up. It's a trip to the post office. You know, I mean, that comes out of the Patreon money, but, uh, but my time. Yeah, you know, I put it in. And I give back. I try to give back. You so, work hard. Uh, you work very. I do hard. work hard. So, uh, and I've lost a few Patreon people recently, and that's uh, that's rough because I just don't. Uh, sometimes don't you get know, it. I did. I did too. You know what the worst is when they cancel on the last day of the month. Because you're counting in your brain, you're like, Those all right, I got, I got this coming, or I got that coming, and then the, you just and you go, oh no, yeah, you got to recalibrate the whole math. But uh, <laughs> you know, for all intents and purposes, this is my job. So you know, you, you go to a movie, you, you pay for a movie, you pay for, uh, you buy a book, you buy a magazine, you buy an ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. You know, you're this is this is the content that I'm producing and putting out there, and uh, hopefully, you feel that it's worth, uh, you know, worth fifty cents a, an episode. Am I getting an ice cream cone? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I've heard it mentioned. But you can find us at Rock Solid Show on Twitter. You can find me at Pat underscore Francis. Uh, Again, Patreon is patreon.com forward slash rock solid podcast. Go to Facebook, go to iTunes, write us a nice review. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, and uh, the uh, Paul Stanley puppet is on Cameo. Look that up under Pat Francis. Uh, For 20 bucks, send a personalized message to anyone. Paul Stanley puppet will say anything. He'll say anything you want. Song lyrics limericks anything uh, provided it has an s in it <laughs> so uh mike thanks as always for being here when you when you read mike schmidt's name in the facebook artwork you know you know it's going to be a long show oh yeah so it's so enjoy right. it people like it people like a long show look we we watch a half hour 22 minute show it's two hours of talk this is the only thing we own 
Why, why would you restrict yourself? I don't exactly. understand. I do other podcasts. They set up a clock and they punch a button and I'm like, I don't have a boss. I, I mean, no. I mean, look, you know, could all the episodes be 90 minutes? Sure they could. They could be 15 minutes if you wanted them to be. Yeah, but they're not. That's just not how we just, I just let it be what it is. It just goes until it's done. And, and remember, we played like 33 songs today. <laughs> so here's the 33rd song. So Mike, thanks for being here. This is the Mamas and the Papas Straight Shooter. Don't get mad.